For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts. All right, uh, paper-wise this morning, The Bravest Boy is the headline making the mirror today. It's the story of Alejandro, the nine-year-old boy who suffered uh, horrific facial injuries after he was savagely mauled by a pit bull. Uh, he has returned home to his family after seven weeks in hospital. And um, there are um, sadly alarming photographs of his face. The poor misfortune and uh, the best job in the world done. And hopefully... Uh, as time goes on and he grows, much of the scarring will heal and disappear. Fingers crossed. I'm sure that he and all of his family are hoping for that. The family have said uh, this would be the Mazan uh, family. They're saying, uh, we are so happy to have him home. The nightmare is over. This is a dream for us. He's been such a brave, babe, brave boy. Um, and he's delighted to be home as well, the family are saying, to restart his life again. Uh, mind you, he is quoted as saying that, you know, he will be back to hospital um, for more visits. It's obviously, as, as I guess surgeons and plastic surgeons and what have you continue to do their work. It's awfully, awfully sad and such a terrible tragedy. And you can only hope and wish him the best going forward because he seems like the loveliest lad. And, and actually the family seem like a wonderful, wonderful family. It makes the front page of uh, this morning's papers. They've all big smiley faces on them, having him home again. Uh, the simple things, isn't it? Family and happiness. Uh, the issue regarding dog attacks actually makes the papers this morning because they're not promising. Does it some take something like this, the horrific facial injuries of Alejandro to make a difference when it comes to dog attacks. So they're talking in the papers this morning about enforcing and tightening legislation, more fines, more enforcement of fines, um, more microchipping uh, and more dog wardens. So that's quite interesting making the papers today. Meanwhile, of course, uh, it was inevitable that Guinness would increase their prices and follow what Heineken did in December and it has arrived with Guinness uh, hiking the price of a pint not just pints of stout actually I'll come back to this in a few minutes time it's a fairly broad brush of uh, Guinness products to be quite honest with you and it could mean uh, with a 12 cent wholesale price increase which means publicans will have to pay 12 cent more per pint to the likes of Guinness but the punter um, according to the Red Tops today, and the Star have put a number on it, saying that the price, say, for instance, of a pint of Guinness could actually go up to the punter by 25 uh, cents. Oh, I'll come back to this because they're also worried within the hospitality that the VAT rate change, at the moment it's at a temporary reduction, kind of one of the, like one of those pandemic VAT reductions at 9.5%. But the trade is saying if it goes back to 13.5%, then it would be twisting the knife in restaurants uh, and eateries even more and there'll be more closures. Um, it's kind of a temporary respite where, with a lower VAT for quite some time for them, but inevitably it'll have to go back at some stage. Interestingly enough, you know, while all others have to tighten their belts, uh, I see a story in the uh, Independent Online this morning saying that Stephen Donnelly used the government jet for a flight to e the to Brussels for an EU meeting. I mean, this follows on, if I remember correctly, the Green Party flying business class uh, when they're roaring and screaming, right, about global warming and climate change, but still they, still they go up and they pay premium, um, you know, flight tickets for business class. You would think that the Green Party would be way down the back of the plane. But anyway, Stephen Donnelly could easily have gone to Brussels on one of four daily flights between Dublin and Brussels, operated by Ryanair and Aer Lingus on the weekdays. But instead, he and a few of his officials took the Learjet 45 on December the 8th for a meeting of health ministers later that day. He could have easily made the meeting, which apparently was 8 o'clock in the evening, on any one 
of the early to mid-afternoon flights. It's heartbreaking, isn't it? It really and truly is. Oh, and by the way, in case you didn't know it, Unpost have decided as well to put up the price of a domestic stamp uh, by 10 cent. Hands up if anybody actually knows the price of a domestic stamp. Apparently, at the moment, it's 125. It will go to 135. So everything in Ireland goes up. The only thing that comes down, I suppose, is the rain. But the Golden Globes, super news. And more on this a little later. I don't know if you've seen it. Have you seen it, lads? What you think of it? Um, somebody on breakfast this morning put it so right. I don't know, was it Laura or was it uh, was it Kira that said it's the kind of, probably Laura, she's got words of wisdom all of the time. No disrespect to the others. I'm quite sure they do too. Somebody said on breakfast, it's a film you either love or you hate. And and it's so true. And the finger chopping is kind of hard to take on board. I don't know if that was needed. If it wasn't in it, would it have had any impact on the film? But anyway, it has received... Well, firstly, it was nominated for eight awards, but it got three, which is absolutely super news because the Golden Globes, they figure, is a preemptor. Is that what they call it? A preemptor uh, for the Oscars. So it got Best Musical or Comedy, it got Best Screenplay, and Colin Farrell got Best Performance for an Actor. So it's absolutely marvellous. So more on that. I'd particularly love to hear from you guys if you've seen it um, at this stage we kind of have to be able to talk about it don't we you know it's, I don't mean to be you know, spoiling plots or anything like that but you know if, if you haven't seen it by now what the heck what's going on um, of course all of the papers are talking about our health system John Sheehan the GP out in Blackpool makes the front of the echo today saying that a lot of the problems is to do with demand, obviously, and people getting sicker. Uh, but, of course, that's all very well if you have enough GPs and practice nurses, but we have um, not enough of either. So that dominates the papers as well. A lot before the courts, and um, if you wonder an example as to why perhaps some people who are going through addiction issues don't want to go into Simon or go into St. Vincent's Hostel, there's an example of it in the papers this morning where a young man in St. Vincent's, apparently the guards got a warrant to search his room in the hostel on Anglesey Street, um, and they found cocaine under his pillow. So about 670 euro worth of cocaine. He claimed at the time that it was paracetamol that he was snorting. Uh, mind you, there was a digital scales found at the scene as well. Uh, and, uh, and weighing, and he said that that wasn't for drugs, that was for weighing gold. It's an interesting response to Angarda Shikona. But some people like to stay out of, of hostels like that because of the fact that there's drugs in there. Um, and the papers also this morning talk about our traffic problems. According to Des Cal, the Fine Gael Council at, at Council, he says he's been told by officials in the know that all of our traffic problems on Leaside will be solved by September. Which September, Des? 2023? 2024? Or will it be a bit like the convention centre? When was that first announced? 2016? But anyway, I shouldn't laugh on it because it's a head wrecker for many people, including the right turns. Uh, And the right turns are proving to be very problematic and making an awful lot of Cork motorists angry. That would be St. Patrick's Bridge and Christie Ring Bridge for north side traffic and a lot more besides with regards to traffic chaos. So will we hold them to that? I mean, it is only January. September's a fair bit away. Some great news regarding Trooper Shane Carney. The Red Tops carry it today, although I'm reading it now from the Echo this morning. He suffered a serious head injury when his convoy came under attack in Beirut. God knows we know all about it because Private Sean Rooney from County Donegal was killed uh, as part of the convoy. Uh, travelling to Beirut. But the good news anyway for Shane Carney is that he is no longer critical and is now stable. So that's fabulous news and and I hope that he has a speedy 100% recovery. And the papers also this morning talk in quite some detail about, um, you know, payouts that have been made because businesses um, had a bit of a a drop in, in profits during COVID. And that includes, uh, according to the Mail this morning, um, toll firms, 
because less people were using the roads, so therefore they made less dosh. But apparently within their contract, certainly the contracts uh, for, say, the M... Uh, let, me, let me get this right, the M3 and also the Limerick Tunnel. Um, when their numbers dropped, there's a contract clause where they have to be um, compensated. So the state paid the road toll firms 30 million in compensation. But then the watchdog who looks after Irish spending came along and said, we didn't have to pay out the 30 million because traffic tanked during the pandemic, but it was paid out nonetheless. And, and it's hard to understand how newspapers can be so different on the one story. Like, for instance, the star this morning says that Harry's book is bombing in the bookshops, right? So that's one story. There are lots of spare copies of spare. Whereas the Times UK is saying that the book um, is a record breaker. That Prince Harry's book, Spare, the memoir, became the fastest selling non-fiction book. 400,000 copies of the hardback across all formats, which would be hardback and I suppose the audio book and stuff like that. And maybe the one that you, you read in your Kindle that it um, is breaking all sorts of records for the first day publication. I don't know. Hard to know what to believe. Um, again, I asked the question, have you bought it? Have you started reading it? Most of it's been leaked already, I suppose. And in other news this morning, there's one or two that I love. One is the fact that if you watch too much too, too much television, it makes you it gives you the blues. Um, you're likely to be 5% more depressed than if you didn't watch television. So... I don't know, is it worth the risk of 5% more depression? I have no idea. But I love this one. Apparently, you know, everybody has their own comfort foods, various types of things that they like, particularly in the winter when the weather's bad. So we all have our own comfort foods. Um, Graham Norton, apparently, his comfort food is scotch eggs. They're lovely. They really and truly are. Scotch eggs are a lovely thing. He says that he eats supermarket scotch eggs as comfort food. And that's all very well. But he goes on then to say that he eats them with a knife and fork. <laughs> like, who, who would do that? You couldn't even trap the scotch egg on the plate with the knife and fork. It'd be like playing hockey on ice with it. But he does nonetheless. He uses cutlery to enjoy the popular stack. It's like, I saw a video there sometime back when Donald Trump was president and he was eating chicken wings with a knife and fork. And he was eating a cheeseburger from McDonald's with a knife and fork. You don't eat cheeseburgers with the knives and fork. And you don't eat chicken wings with a knife and fork. In fact, while I'm on a roll, you shouldn't even eat pizza with a knife and fork. You need a pizza slicer to slice it all up and then pick up the slices in your hands and get stuck in. No, cheeseburgers, no. Pizzas, no. Chicken wings, no. Scotch eggs, no. You could have a tons of fun burger. We were in Eco last night. My son got this monster of a thing. Like it's like a triple decker thing. Like a family home from Australia. You'd have to take a knife and fork to it, but that's only to cut it into quarters. That's right? what I'm saying. Like you can't take a big horse of a burger, like a triple he patty did. burger. He tried. La- he did. You'd he- have to unlock your jaw to get it in the one go. No, he he tried it, and he he got a few he got a few chomps out of it, but then surrendered <laughs> and cut it up. But you like you do you eat pizza with a knife? Ah uh, no 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 ah uh, no no no. That's no. that's that's and then wings and all that stuff. But I I've seen people attempting like I have seen people attempting to eat. A burger and the contents of the burger, you know, <laughs> kind of become disjointed with the burger buns, if you know what I mean, I and slip that. out the opposite direction, and you that. just you just don't want it's that, awful. really. Do you? I mean, maybe it's etiquette that you know, Graham Norton doesn't stand on etiquette to me, but that he would eat a Scotch egg with a knife and fork. I I've eaten a Scotch egg. You know when Pick you say it that, up, man, it's gone. But in it's, two it's roasting. That's why. No, they're cold. 
You eat yours? Oh, I had a very interesting discussion, right? Do remember I was talking to you a few weeks ago about spending the night on the floor of Manchester Airport after all the travel disruption? Yeah. Right. Well, when you have so little to talk about on the floor of Manchester Airport, I ended up becoming friends with these guys from Yorkshire, from Doncaster. And we were having a big debate. Because I, uh, the idea for me of eating a scotch egg cold is revolt. Well, maybe revolt, revolting is a bit far. But like into the microwave for 30 seconds oh, listen, and it's the I'm same not, with them I'm, with a pork I'm pie I'm going to argue with you man if that's what you like oh no pork, pork pie is cold as well no, no. Just pork cold. pie's warm it's like would you have a sausage roll cold uh, yeah totally. oh absolutely I'd also have a sausage cold yeah. I'd have a cold sausage sandwich really that'd be comfort food to me now oh no no, I, crusty bread. No, I'm not going to say what I was going to say because definitely can be interpreted for a different way. But I definitely like my food warm generally. Um, but no pork. But they, they're mad for the they're mad for the cold pork pies over there. What do you want to say something there, the man from East Cork? <laughs> you probably don't eat, you don't even have sausage rolls. I don't have sausage rolls. Got checked for my lunch there the other day, and what? I had them nice piping hot in the oven. What? Scotch eggs. Right. In the oven. In the oven, I threw them in. Well, you they're put already a scotch egg. And turned on the oven. Well, you, you see, must have plenty of money. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, I, I, I left the door open afterwards just to heat the kitchen. Oh, hey, give me a break. <laughs> Let me get back to real world. Back after the break. Call the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0818-104-106. Red FM. Guinness have announced that the price of the pint is going up. They're uh, saying that uh, they're um, going to put it up and the vintners are going to have to uh, swallow it. And then, uh, unfortunately, some of the red tops this morning are saying that uh, the rise to the actual punter who's drinking the pints of stout and other Guinness products could well be upwards of 25 cent. So how do you feel, guys feel about that uh, by... Uh, by text this morning already I see a number of them coming in and people are saying what happened to all of the boycotts that were planned on Heineken products before Christmas if publicans plan on boycotting Diageo products as well then we might as well shut up shop I wonder did many pubs actually withdraw Heineken products back in December Uh, on top of that extending the licensing law to 6am but the majority of pubs can hardly survive at the present closing times I think COVID had a big impact on rural pubs, which will never, ever recover. Uh, Gavin talks of the profits of Guinness and Indeen Heineken, but yet they feel they simply must increase their prices. It makes no sense. James says, watch pubs closing. Then Diageo will realise their greed and the mistakes, but they'll realise it too late. Owen said, they were just bound to follow Heineken. They'll be responsible, responsible for pub closures. And Richard, the more they increase, the more pubs will face closure and the less amount of customers as they will purchase cans in retail and drink at home. So that's a selection of texts from you guys this morning, and thank you for them. Let me put those texts, actually, to Michael O'Donovan, the owner of the Castle Inn and chair of the Cork Vintners Federation of Ireland. Michael, good morning. Good morning, Neil. That's just a quick snapshot on Lee's side. Uh, Jim says, increase the way all you want, you'll wipe the pubs out in two or three years' time. What do you make of those texts? Yeah, look, it's, um, I suppose, sitting here now this morning after the announcement yesterday morning, um, look, it's, it's disappointing that Diageo have decided to increase the, the price of the pint by 12 cents. Um, it's not what we wanted. We're, we're obviously um, mindful that our customers are going through a cost of living crisis at the moment. Um, and like we're under severe pressure, the costs of doing business are spiralling at the moment. Energy is starting to stabilise, but it's still at a, an all-time high at the moment. Um, and look, it's not what we wanted at the moment because January and February are traditionally two of the quieter months. Um, and putting this increase on, it's inevitable, I think, that it will have to be passed on because a lot of pubs last year 
um, in February when there was a price increase absorbed the price increase and then when there was a um, another price increase in November uh, that had to be passed on and I have a feeling that this one will have to be passed on as well But why then would a 12% increase to you guys you got to put VAT on that 12 cent I know that 12 cent plus the VAT why would it end up as 25 cent on the point do you know Look, publicans will have to make their own decisions on what they do, um, but I think to cover the current costs, um, that it will be somewhere towards where they'll be looking uh, because of the price increases during the year for energy, etc. So doesn't that mean, sorry for cutting across you, Michael, doesn't that mean that vintners are going to use it as an opportunity to double up the price increase from Guinness? Well, it, it won't be doubling up, uh, Neil, because VAT will be included. And you have to remember, the minimum, unit, or the minimum wage increased on the 1st of January. So, you know, if you're looking to run a viable business, you have to try and cover the cost of the business. And um, I suppose now... Yeah, but you'll be doing uh, it under the cloak of a Guinness price hike. Yeah, but prices are under review at, at all times. Um, and just doing it now, it seems inevitable. You know, the 1st of January... The, the minimum wage went up so wages increased across True. the board so um, you know it's, it's going to go at some stage it mightn't go on the 1st of February but um, it'll probably be just absorbed into the price increase that uh, they'll do it in the one go so they're not doing it two or three times during a month it's, it's always seen as do it once and, and that's it so look this will probably be what will happen during the month of February we will see prices increase on draft products Heineken went up by 17 cent a pint in December uh, when will that Guinness price hike kick in to 25 cent the, extra on the pint? The, the 1st of February. Okay. And it'll be, okay. That's when, that's when this will be, uh, Guinness will charge us the new prices and it will be after that then that uh, publicans will increase it. Okay, but it, it doesn't make sense to me when I look at Diageo's profits or indeed the profits of the Dutch brewing giant Heineken. According to uh, the latest report, Diageo had a profit for 2022 in British pounds of 4.4 billion pounds. And the statistic that's available for Heineken for the first six months only of last year dwarfs that. They made 16.4 billion euro in the first six months last year. Why, why do they need a price increase at all with those kind of profits? Yeah, look, Neil, I, I can't answer for those companies. Uh, we've been, I suppose, with, with Heineken, we argued very much so in November for them and uh, asked them not to pass on the price increase, uh, but they did, and likewise with Diageo. But look, they, they have to answer why they do it themselves. I can't answer that. But if them. the first six months were €16 billion, Euro, then the whole year could be anything north of uh, €32 billion, 25% higher than they had expected. So their profits are higher than ever expected. But, and, and you can't answer for them. But people will be very angry when they hear about the profits of Diageo and Heineken. Yeah, look, publicans, uh, I think in November when we learned of the, the Heineken increase and again yesterday, uh, a lot of publicans I was fielding calls are very angry because of that when, when they see those kind of figures um, and, you know, we're told because of the rising costs. Um, it, it, it's just frustrating, is to be honest, uh, Neil. But look, we can only operate in the space that we're in and uh, we're a customer of Diageo and when Diageo tell us that they're increasing the price on the 1st of February, um, we can, you know, we, we wrote to them. Uh, our CEO spoke with them yesterday. We've spoken locally with them, but mm. unfortunately, this, these decisions are made at a board table. I think in in um, in England, and it's it's just passed on to us. Okay, ho- hold on there, because I know you're under pressure, but I want Sean McCarthy to jump in there because he's a serious publican on Lisa. He's got Paddy the Farmers. He's got Soho. He's got Tequila Jack. Sean, good morning. 
Morning, Neil. How are you? I'm good. We're talking more than just Guinness Stout, aren't we? We're talking about Rockshore, Hop House, 13, Smithicks, Harp, Carlsberg, right across the board, right? Right across the board, Neil. Yeah, it's all it's all uh, Diageo keg products, uh, stout, lager, and ale. And what was the react? Did you have any reaction at Paddy's or Soho and Tequila, Tequila Jacks, at for the Heineken increase? Did did punters mention it to you? Uh, absolutely, um, it was mentioned all the time. But I suppose it came at a, it came at a time, Neil, when I suppose the time of year when people were going out for Christmas parties and a lot of corporate business. So people kind of said, okay, it's after happening, but look, we're after a tough two or three years. We're just going to need to go out. It was the first time getting a chance to go out, either in a business situation or in a private party situation, to have some fun. It's been a tough couple of years for all of us, including pe- um, people that are in business. And um, they, it kind of it kind of flew under the... Yeah, you know, I know, you're right. It would in December, yeah. It was the timing Correct. of it. Correct. It was very, very smart on their behalf, of course. They do have people that are paid big money for the marketing departments to to, to actually uh, design these times so that they have least impact on themselves and put all the onus back on the publicans facing the public every day of the week. You know. Okay, so if we're looking at if we're looking at twenty five cent, right? I was just looking at some prices of of, of Guinness and, and Heineken products. It, it seems to be in and around six euro in in many places for a pint of of Guinness. The Riverly is six fifty. Clancy's is five fifty. Um, you look at Heineken, then could be anywhere between five fifty and the Riverly seven euros. Sophie's the Dean six twenty. Um, you go into rural areas; it's cheaper. Um, it's quite dear already, isn't it? Without putting another twenty-five cent on a pint of Guinness or a pint of Hop House well, or Carlsberg. Well, I'll tell you straight up, Neil. It's actually more than twenty-five cents, right? Um, if we like for us. Draft is the last leader. It's probably it's the least profitable product in our in our premises that takes the most amount of work, with waste, with kegs, delivery, storage. So realistically, in all honesty, to keep our margin on what we're making at the moment, the twelve cent plus that increase is actually forty cent to the punter over the counter. If you want to be fair and honest about it, that's the reality. Um, so it's not twenty five. Oh, though I can't it's, see that in simple maths. It's keeping so. our mar- it's keeping our margin. We have to keep a we work work in a percentage margin, and the higher the margin, the higher the price point goes in euros, the profitability has to match that. And I'm just saying that's if you're if you were to equate keeping your current markup or your margin on your point, it's actually almost 40 cent including that and I don't want to be the bearer of bad news but I'm being very honest and fair but are you, are you saying that Paddy's or Soho or Tequila Jacks or the East Village will be putting 40 cent on the point we'll have to review it today Neil this was only this was only um, released yesterday we have to look at our price points and uh, and we relook at everything reevaluate again like business is on its knees at the moment Neil and, but we have to keep the doors open Michael has gone through it already but the costs have spiraled our energy costs across the four premises will will be an increase in excess of over two hundred thousand this year. That's just energy. So that's two hundred thousand off our bottom line. If you were making a profit, that's gone. We have to find that somewhere. And footfall is down probably around fifteen, twenty percent just mm. from ourselves seeing people coming through the door. Mm. You heard the taxi driver on with you yesterday saying that their Christmas was down thirty percent. So yeah. it all equates and stacks up. So but it doesn't stack up when you look at the yeah. profits of Guinness and Heineken in billions. Correct. Absolutely. Neil, we're only a very small fish. Our, uh, the Irish trade for those 
companies is only a very, very small portion of the business. Okay. And, and, do, and do we yeah. need Diageo and Heineken products? We do. That's a question for both of you. There was talk for the Heineken increase that publicans were going to take out Heineken products. Did, did that happen at all? Yeah, it, it happened. We took out one of the Heineken products at the time in there and it's still out. Um, and we'd be reviewing the same with Diageo. And from my knowledge and from talking to publicans I know, um, there was there was a product taken off the shelf at the shelf. But like you're talking about, do we need them? Absolutely need. Um, it would be like uh, McDonald's selling no burgers. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> you know, you know? Yeah. The Heineken Guinness range is too wide to ignore. Well, you're talking Heineken, probably number one, number two seller, and Guinness comes in at number three. You know, so you're you're talking about um, having the three most popular draft products. Uh, you can you have to have them. They're you know they're a necessary evil, I call them. But look. So, Michael, you're over a barrel then, really, and the punters subsequently are over the same barrel as you for the super giant brewers. Yeah, look, they're the dominant players in the Irish market, Diageo and Heineken. So, as Sean said there, you know, Guinness, Heineken, Coors, um, Rockshore, they're the big products um, out there. So, um, yeah, they, they, look, they dominate the market. So, if you open a pub uh, without those products, um, you know, there's room probably for a few pubs to try and operate without those products, but the majority wouldn't survive without those products. Yes, but the majority probably won't survive either if more people decide to uh, do their social at home yeah that's that's true but um, I think um, look there's also price rises on the way for the off trade unfortunately so uh, people will see that um, in the coming weeks that the bottled products are going up as well okay okay and why do you say why do you say the draft is the least uh, profitable Sean what's the most profitable then in a pub setting well I suppose you'd be starting with um You'll be starting with cocktails. And I suppose when I say least, least profitable, it, it, it goes down to many things. I suppose it's the labor intensity of bringing in kegs. Um, it's the waste you see many times standing at a bar. breaks my heart to see people pulling down the handle of a tap and pouring down the drip tray before they put it to some money. Yeah, yeah. And then there's the origin of spillage, that some, of the, some of the amount of drink that's left in a keg. So you have to be very smart when you're handling grass. But I suppose you asked me a question compare pouring a pint to opening a bottle of beer. True. Um, you, you, you get a crate of beer, you put it behind the, the counter, you kick it open, you hand it out to the customer with a napkin and say, thanks very much. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, lot yeah. Less, yeah. There's a lot less work in that and a lot less wasted. Can, than, um, can, I, can I just ask you with regards to drinking habits, if you don't mind, Sean, I hear that Heineken Zero's flying off the shelves. That's, that means that more people are going for alcohol-free options. Have you noticed that? Absolutely. It's, um, it's growing double figures year on year. Um, uh, and especially, I suppose, they were very smart. A lot of the early uh, non-alcoholics that were brought out under strong brands didn't really taste like the, um, the, the alcoholic brands where Heineken were probably one of the first to me personally that was actually almost identical Got to the alcoholic right, yeah, brand in, yeah. in, fla- in flavor. And you're dead right. Um, it's absolutely flying. Uh, and, you know, it's... It, it's it's a pall now that people aren't afraid to make before. A person that was nearly drinking uh, non alcoholic before was kind of an almost embarrassed in the group. Yes. Where now it's, it's quite popular. No prob- a person has no problem calling a non alcoholic and will, will stand up for it because fitness, driving. So is that work, a younger generation, you know? Sean? Of course, yeah. I mean, you can drive your car to the pub and have a few of those. But have you chatted with customers as to why they're opting for it? I, I, I suppose it's lifestyle. Lifestyle is the big one. Uh, need lifestyle and work. Um, cost it's, it's probably fifty cents a pint cheaper. So it's yes, it's a saving, but not huge. Mm. But it's 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 lifestyle, fitness, sport. Sport is huge uh, now. The amount of people um, 
uh, girls and boys playing sport and watching how they feel and health, mm. you know, it, mm. they're a big part, you know, and people, there's only so much minerals you can drink, there's only so much water you can drink, but they feel part of the company when they're standing there with a, nat- a non-alcoholic pint in their hand. Um, they feel part of the group, they enjoy the fun. It, I know it's only a visual thing, but I know it myself. I've done it, and um, you just there's something different about standing there rather than a pint of water or a you know okay. a pint okay. of mineral. You okay. know, good man. Just fi- just finally on this, Michael, just pick up on what Sean said because it's an article that makes the mail this morning that the price could actually be closer to forty cent a pint increase. Would you go along with that? That it could be upwards of between thirty and forty cent. Yeah, look, if um, as Sean alluded to there with all the with all the current uh, price rises, if you were to go with your keeping your margin, it would be closer to that. But I think publicans will absorb some of that price into it. So um, it may be lower, but that's a that's a choice that each publican will have to make individually. Is there, are there choices being made in this new year of publicans who are just going to throw their hat at it, that they got through Christmas but don't see 2023 as being viable? Look, I, I haven't heard that yet, Neil, um, but what I, I do know is that publicans are closing, you know, for a couple of days in the week at the moment just to try and cut the costs of uh, doing business so that they can open on probably the busier times, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, yeah. Yeah. Monday, Tuesday. A lot of publicans have opted, especially for the months of January and February, to shut their business for the two days. Uh, give staff certainty, I suppose, that they have two days to get her off and uh, start again towards Patrick's Day when the tourist season starts and kicks in. Okay. Okay, listen, um, thanks for taking the call this morning. Uh, Not the greatest news, but expected nonetheless. Sean McCarthy and uh, Michael O'Donovan, appreciate you both. Text 0868106, pardon me, text 0868104106 if you've got thoughts on this. Gary says, as if it isn't dear enough as it is, the beginning of the end of a lot of pubs. William says, killing the goose that laid the golden egg, more like murdered the goose. All in the name of greed and profit margins. Did they ever hear the saying, a half-slice pan is better than none? You're so spot on there when you look at the profits. You really and truly are spot on. Um, 12 cent increase plus VAT and the publicans will increase by 20 cent minimum. Yeah, that's why even even there, Sean McCarthy was saying that it could be closer to 40 cent. Uh, and one or two more. Uh, 10 cent or 15 cent won't stop me drinking Guinness. If a pub tried ripping me off by charging 6 euro or more, that would stop me. But in some places now, you will find the price of Guinness. Certainly Heineken, very much north of 6 euro. Like some of the prices that we got this morning um, show uh, Clancy's at 6 euro for a pint of Heineken. Um, the, the even uh, I keep quoting the River Lee Club, which I'm assuming is the River Lee Hotel. Am I right in that regard? Seven euro for a pint of Heineken at the moment. Sophie's at the Dean is six twenty for a pint of Heineken. Um, so at the moment, like for instance, if you have a pint of Guinness and you're drinking it in Clancy's and it goes up by forty cent, you'll be paying five euro ninety for it. For instance, if you drink a pint of Guinness at Sophie's at the Dean. Uh, it will cost you, um, if it goes up by 40 cent, €6.30 for the pint. Back after the break. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. Just staying with this because I know Finbar's under pressure to be gone for quarter to ten. Finbar, good morning. Good morning. Neil, uh, my local, uh, uh, do you want me to mention it? Yeah, now? why not? If you're there and you enjoy the pints there, what was the price increase? The Fairfield Bar in, in Knockpog Avenue family was 50 cents. On Beamish, is it? When, when Heineken... Beam, on, sorry, on Beamish, uh, I went from 3.95 to 4.45 in one go. No, did look... That was after the Heineken increase in December? 
this 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 went up now last uh, last last weekend when I went up there Friday night. It was gone up uh, by the fifty cents, and I I forgot to say like, you know, and all they could say was what do we do? We're told to do it, so we can't do nothing about it. As in, they're told to do it to protect their margins, is it? Or no, the, whatever the reason is, I don't know. They won't. They well, you see, Heineken, Heineken put their products up in December, right? So that probably kicked in then for Heineken, yeah, Murphy's, Beamish. It's outrageous. It's really, it really is. No matter how much you put into double the government's vat, uh, the tax, the wage raise, we put them all in 56, uh, 50 cents a point. Is fairly, fairly and did you drink? Do you drink Beamish because it's cheaper than Murphy's and than Guinness? I'm drinking Beamish for donkey years, you know, for like whether it was cheap. To, it was it was always cheaper than Guinness, but no, it's gone dearer than Guinness with that fifty cents raise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, you're going to have to stay with it because after the Guinness increase, now that'll be way outside your pocket. I did. I look. I, I go up twice a week. The, my 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 uh, routine is we play cards on Friday night and the music on Sunday night. That's my two nights of the week. Uh, um, and they're two brilliant nights. I love. I'm, and do you budget for those nights, Fimber? I do. Oh God, I would look at them seventy-eight years a week. Yeah. Living off of pensions, you know. So yeah, 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 yeah. So that means it. what would that, what 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 does an increase like that mean to a pensioner on a budget? You drink well, less the, or go out less. Like, for, Four quid, if you like. I mean, four pints, that'd be two quid and two quid. Yeah. That's four quid. But tis, you take a man of my group, three or a woman or whatever, three or four nights a week, it becomes serious money then. Like, you know, I just tell you, bring it, bring it to... Fair play. Place. No, that's a good example. Thank you for it, particularly from the point of view of a pensioner. Thank you for that, Fimber. I'll let you get on. I know that um, uh, Beamish has been kept cheaper than the two other stouts. In fact, I know of a pub down in, in South Kerry that actually had Murphy's in, uh, whipped the Murphy's out and put Beamish in instead. And seems as if Beamish has gone down a storm in South Kerry. They like it. An acquired taste, I know, but they like it. Michael Farrell has uh, has Farrell's Bar Summerfield in Yawl, and we touch base with him quite a lot, particularly if there's a, an increase. Um, his prices would be cheaper because they're, the further rural you go, the cheaper the price. Why is that, Michael? Morning to you. Why would rural pubs be cheaper than city pubs? Is it rent or heat or well, what? What's the story? Yeah. Well, no, a lot of the time, Neil, is down to cost. Everyone has to base their price on the cost of opening the door. And uh, obviously in the city, sometimes you could have rate bills of up to 100,000 or more, Correct. or maybe 200,000 but yeah. some places. So, I mean, no one wants to be charging excessive prices because we know there's a point to no return. So, I mean, unfortunately, some of the city pubs have to charge more. Um, and then there's obviously every publican's individual. And I suppose you have to assess your cost at the end of the day and decide what price you come at. Yeah, but it's interesting text from Alex. He says, this is mental stuff altogether. I recently paid €4 Euro for a pint of Guinness in Berlin. And now he says I'll be paying close on double that in Ireland. How in the name of God could Guinness be cheaper in Berlin? I'll tell you, Neil, the simple fact of the matter is taxes in, in Germany and beer are, are, are the lowest in Europe. We're the highest taxable country in Europe for, for alcohol, and that is a fact. We're number one when it comes to wine. We're number three when it comes to beer. We're number three when it comes to spirits. So, I mean, that's, that is a lot of the problem in this country, is the, we have the highest taxes in, in drinking. And, and could you tell the listener how much tax per pint is paid to the state, percentage-wise? Well, well, you we, we there's excise duty on the cake when it comes in the door, and then we have to put another twenty three percent VAT on top of that. So you're talking about twenty three cent VAT alone on every euro that you take in that we have to collect for the government. So, you know, it's, it's, it's huge. It's it's nearly half of the whole t- thing. So I mean, it's 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 hugely excessive. And I mean, unfortunately, the government aren't budging on it. You know, 
Nor Heineken or Diageo. Their profits are off the charts. The last calendar charts. year, 2022, for Diageo, Guinness, was £4.4 billion sterling. Neil, I'll give you an example. Heineken had such a good year last year. They gave all the staff a €500 bonus back in October, November. Um, and then they turned out to us and they gave us a second increase in one year after taking those profits. So Heineken have taken uh, over 30 cent increase on each of their pints in the last 2022 alone. So, I mean, that's what we're dealing with. And unfortunately, we, we can't absorb it. I mean, we, everyone knows that the cost of running, opening a door of a pub at the moment is going through the roof. So, I mean, we, we have to pass it back, unfortunately. Yeah, you know? but it would seem as if they're profiteering then. And all too often we're hearing companies putting up prices under the possible pretext of the war in Ukraine and energy costs. How true is that, though? I know they, I know every business has to look at their, the bottom line and they have to take an increase if their costs are going up. But, I mean, at the moment, the two major worries have a monopoly and, unfortunately, they're taking advantage of that fact. Okay, but and, in the um, sense that we cannot do without them. You can't do without their products. Well, at the end of the day, I have to supply what the customer wants. And if the customer wants to pay excessive prices for a product, I have to stock it, you know, at that price. So, I mean, like, we try to provide alternative cheaper products. Like, for example, we're still selling um, caroling, which is a cheaper product. We're selling fossils as an alternative cheaper product. So, I mean, we have a range of products to give the customer a choice. Like you said a while ago, Beamish, we said that at a good discount to Guinness or Murphy's. So, I mean, we, we are trying to provide alternatives to the, to the top brands that are out there. Yeah, you know, so. yeah. But your, your price, say, for Heineken is sitting at about five fifty a pint now, is it? That's correct, yeah. Okay, that's that after the increase. increase. So, the yeah, price of your pint of Guinness is sitting at four eighty right now? Four eighty right now, So, yeah. what will that yeah. be come February 1st? I, I don't know, Neil. I'd have to sit down. But the, the problem is, and people don't realise this, it's not just, a, it, as the lads alluded earlier, it's not just the increase of the points. Like, we've looked at a rate increase from the 1st of January. We've looked at a, a, pay, a pay increase from the 1st of January. Um, our electricity is nearly double or triple what it was uh, uh, 12 months ago. Our oil and coal is o- over double what it was 12 months ago. We've another bank holiday thrown into the equation. So that's 10 public holidays on top of holiday pay that you have to pay out I know. this yeah. year. Yeah. Like, people don't understand this. Like, if you look around the country, at the moment, you'll hardly get a meal in Ireland uh, uh, on a bank holiday Monday. And this is all down to the fact that your, your pay cost will double from the, uh, every time there's a, you open your door on a bank holiday. Your paying cost, people don't realise it, it goes from, say, 25 uh, to 30% to maybe up to 60% to turnover. It's not just not viable, and that's why you can see... Because bank holiday uh, pay is at a higher rate, yeah. At a higher rate. So yeah. people have just made a conscious decision not to open any Mondays or Tuesdays for, for the... In, rural, in, in the rural areas, is it? And, in rural and towns. City, of and, and city areas, Neil, is, is coming widespread all over the country. And unfortunately, like every time the government bring in uh, uh, something that doesn't affect them, like they just pass everything back on top of the employers. So like, it's not just the price of the point increase. You have to pass on the other increases when you're, t- when you're taking the price increase. Okay, you said two interesting things uh, off air to the lads. One, you said that more and more smaller places will close as a consequence of this. Those that don't will have shorter hours. We touched on that. And you also said it will have the biggest effect on pensioners. It, it definitely, Neil. I mean, everyone's on a budget. And unfortunately, if you're on a pension, you're on a smaller budget. So, I mean, it, it does affect pensioners, obviously. And like that man said there a while ago, like he drinks beer, which is a cheaper alternative. So, I mean, we try to provide cheap alternatives, but um, at the end of the day, if, if people, see, a lot of the time it doesn't affect the Dublin Fours, and a lot of the time these politicians don't see the problem because they don't 
socialise in rural areas and they normally socialise but most of the time a lot of the city pubs and that are, are, are being held together probably by tours related student related mm. but when you go out to rural Ireland you don't have that type no, of customer it's a more traditional it. local drinker isn't it particularly yeah, off it summer season it's a long year there outside of the summer season there is and like Neil unfortunately I, I, I did predict that there would be a lot of pubs closing um, for less days they'd be open less days of the week and that has happened and it's going to happen a lot more in the future but unfortunately we will lose pubs as a result of all this because yes yeah. I heard Jack Doyle's and Cove is closing its doors this weekend I'm told sign of the time yeah. somebody said by text unfortunately and like the, other, the other thing is out there Neil and people that aren't aware of it there's 3 billion warehousing at the moment and people thought they'd be able to pay off their warehousing taxes over the last 12 months but unfortunately businesses are not recovering to pay them off so a lot of them will unfortunately go to the go to the wall and that's a sad thing to say but unfortunately that's what's coming down the road alright ok you haven't done the maths on it yet but you will have to do so and pass it on come February 1st yeah, unfortunately, Neil, but um, like that now, we're, we're still fairly competitive. Like, I find that other countries, uh, we, we were probably there, uh, but other countries are starting to pass us out at a rapid rate. It's not just Ireland, it's all over Europe, and, and if anyone went to the States lately, or outside of Europe, prices are starting to rise. Ah, no, but you go to Spain, for instance, your eyes would pop out at the price of draft or bottled it, beer. It, for it, it's still really in the, in the Canaries, Neil, but not on mainland Spain. That has jumped a fair bit. Um, but unfortunately most uh, of the I don't know I mean I was down there for three or four days over the Christmas that was down in the Costa Blanca and uh, they do happy hour deals and you get uh, uh, like two pints for the price of one and you get five bottles of Corona for a tenner all this kind of carry on you know yeah but unfortunately Neil, we have a high tax system in this country whether thing. it's rates yeah. or it's or, or, or anything else unfortunately and we have a huge tax and excess duty on the products also so no, unfortunately, it adds up. You know, we we handle it, so we have to pass it back. All right, my man. Thanks for that. Appreciate you taking the Thank call you. as always. Take that care. Good morning to you all in y'all. That's Michael Farrell from uh, Farrell's Bar, Summerfield in y'all. You can text oh eight six eight. 104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. Back after the break. Text the Neil Prenderville Show now. 0868104106. Red FM. Yeah, I was mentioning the closure of pubs there, and uh, Kevin just, or Seamus just gave me a print off there from Jack Doyle's bar that will close. They say, as this is the last week of Jack Doyle's, this is down in Cove, as a pub, we've decided to go out with a bang. <clears throat> so they're saying that all pints, shots, and shorts, four euro from Thursday to Sunday. And the great Dan Noonan, the DJ Dan Noonan, has got music there on Saturday night. It's a, a sad farewell, I suppose, of the weekend. they got live music as well on, on Sunday night with Tom Murray, but they've got a big advert saying uh, they're going to go out with the bang, I suppose, clearing stock, because after they close, uh, you don't want to be closing with stock. So pints, shorts, uh, and shots. Not a, not a fan of the amount of shots that are being drinking, drinking in Ireland these days, but none of my business. Uh, four euro from Thursday to Sunday. Quite a lot of texts on it. I wonder if all the people who slated us taxi drivers on air yesterday will slate Diageo and the pub owners for the increase in a pint? Nah. They'll still go get pissed and complain about the taxi drivers. Um, another one here. And when Heineken increased their prices, the Cotton Ball in Mayfield put the price of the pint up from 5.40 to 6 euro. That was a 60 cent hike. Uh, I heard on radio some guy yesterday, he said that the increase of 6.5% on the pint works out at 15 cent after that. There's 88 pints in a keg, so that's 13 euro a barrel. Some pubs have upped the price of the pint by as much as 60 cent recently. So who are the publicans trying to kid? 
Don't forget, says Frick, that vintners are a cartel. They got payments during the so-called COVID. First thing they do is put up prices. They don't care about customers. They will close local pubs. Well, it's the very vintners, actually, uh, that are going to have to put the prices up. And they're saying it's because Diageo and Heineken are increasing the prices to them. Now, I've been trying to work out from them how they could justify, say, for instance, a 15 cent increase when you include the VAT from, say, the likes of Guinness, as to why then they would put the price up by another 25 cent thereafter. The Irish market sales only equates to 1% of Diageo's worldwide sales. They only need the Irish connection for marketing purposes. Diageo really aren't concerned about the Irish market. That's interesting when you look at the numbers like that, only 1% of their worldwide sales. Just listening about the price of the pint going up again, why don't the pubs start selling cans? Obviously a little dearer than you get them at a supermarket, but cheaper than a pint. And it's up to the customer then if they want to buy a can or a pint. I know you might be saying, sure, why would you go to a pub for a can? But a lot of people go and drink bottles, don't they? It's to get out of the house, remember, and to socialise. Good point. Well made. I'm Lana O'Connor. Red FM News is first for local, national and international news. And you can stay up to date by tuning into our hourly news bulletins or by clicking on redfm.ie. Get it off your chest. Text the Neil Brinderville Show now. 086-8104-106. Red FM. And don't forget, it's day three of our giveaway, courtesy of Cork Airport and Vueling Airlines. Vueling.com. And you and whomever you choose to stick with you could be winning our prize on Friday for uh, two nights in Paris. You'll fly out of Cork Airport with Vueling, uh, Vueling and their return flights for two. You'll also have hotel accommodation in Paris. And indeed, you can just park up the car for free at Cork Airport. You'll stay uh, for a little while enjoying the Aspire Lounge at uh, Cork Airport and then board your flight for Paris. So we want your best stories with regards to first dates because this could be a lovely romantic trip for two off to Paris. So this is day three, your opportunity to get into Friday's final. Share those first date stories. We've had some cracking ones already this week, some of them totally disastrous mortifying, embarrassing, very funny. Um, and uh, they're the kind of ones we're looking for. So keep them coming. Text 086-8104-106 on that one. Uh, pick up the phone on 0818-104-106. We talk about places closing. Jack Doyle's bar in Cove, I was telling you about it earlier on this morning, was talking with vintners and publicans who were saying many pubs have closed, they reduced hours, they don't open on Mondays and Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Even in the city, Michael O'Donovan was saying, see a lot of city pubs don't open early in the week anymore. It's just not the custom there. It's a completely changed generation now for drinking habits. So in spite of all of that, it's not just pubs though. Have you noticed butchers as well? Butcher shops, traditional butcher shops um, have been under an awful lot of pressure. And I think a lot of that will come from the multinationals, the Aldis and the Lidl's and the Super Values and the you know, the Tesco's and, and the Dons and what have you. Um, but sad news this morning that O'Flynn's butchers um, in the city on Marlborough Street are going to shut their doors. And that business and that family have been butchers for 124 years. Uh, I was reading an article, article on Cork Bio this morning uh, from the butcher shop where the lads were saying, we've seen generations of families come in. We've seen weddings, christenings, births, babies. They say that if the walls could talk in this butcher shop, you could tell a 100 stories. We've had the giggles, the laughs. Uh, most of our customers have been coming to the shop for such a long time, we consider them our friends. But they're hanging up the butcher's aprons, lads. Um, and of course, um, I suppose to some extent, due a long overdue rest. 
the, the O'Flynn's, but at the same time, it would be sad to see it go after 124 years uh, on Leaside O'Flynn's Butcher Shops on Butcher Shop on uh, Marlborough Street, closing on the 28th of January. So that's sad. Um, a lot of other texts then with regards to uh, the increases with regards to Guinness uh, and the one that we had from Heineken. If the beer giants are making so much profit, it's just telling you what bars and off-licenses are making. Well, the likes of Guinness and, and Diageo, and sorry, I should say, Diageo and Heineken, uh, I gave you their profits. They're billions every single year. It's a bit like um, uh, the... Um, energy providers, you know, those that actually uh, take the oil from the ground and the gas from the ground, their profits are just obscene. Why is it, though, somebody's wondering that Weatherspoons can sell drink so cheap and still manage to trade, uh, make a profit at these cheaper prices? Somebody says, in January, there was a sale in Weatherspoons. Foster's, Beamish, Strongbow were €2.80 a pint, as an example. Um, Everyone is talking about the price of pints, but what about wine? Prosecco or cocktails, they're always more expensive. A glass of wine could be nine euro in some bars in town. And cocktails are usually anywhere between 10 and 14 euro. Yeah, they ain't cheap. One or two more. I was in a Cork hotel over the weekend. Four glasses of house wine, two pots of tea, two Cokes, and a bottle of Coors and a bottle of Bud cost 64 euro 80. Uh, No wonder people aren't going out. Mind you, you can get three lovely pints of Foster's for €11 in a pub just off Shandon Street. Thank you for that. It's easier and cheaper to brew alcohol-free lager than alcoholic lager. Lager was originally brewed, don't you remember, to preserve water. I wonder if that's true. I I thought it was the other way around, that it's actually more expensive to brew alcohol-free lager because you have to brew it first, then remove the alcohol from it or the sugar, whatever the case may be. But there's loads of text on this. We'll come back to that and lots more besides uh, just after 10 calls on the way. Get it off your chest. Call Neil Prenderville now on 0818 Red FM. Telling you yesterday about an event on Side that is planned by Elevate PR. It's called The Future of Retail. It takes place at the Dean Hotel on Tuesday next, the 17th of January. And best of luck to them with that because of course the changing face of retail is important how and ever in an effort to advertise this event at the Dean next weekend next week they used um, a very very well known image uh, of the big fella uh, Michael Collins and they changed it and they put uh, his uniform in pink and in one hand they put a Dior uh, bag as in shopping bag. These would be uh, high-end designer uh, bags and high-end designer products. So he's got a Dior bag in his right hand and he has a Coco Chanel bag in his left hand. Um, Not quite sure why they would use that image. An awful lot of people yesterday were saying that it was in bad taste uh, and it was disrespectful. You see some more text on it again uh, coming in this morning. The photo is in bad taste, but this is what companies do. They cause controversy to highlight an event, which has happened, Everyone is now talking about the event, but I think it's inappropriate and in bad taste, says Paul. Desi, though, has been thinking about it. And he says, I must say that the image of Michael Collins in pink with the bags shocked and angered me. But the more I think of it, it's just what they say it is. Pop art. Pop art has represented world leaders and very important people across the world. So maybe we shouldn't be so quick to be offended. Maybe we should just mellow. Uh, They could have picked one of a thousand other people. Uh, He's like Che Guevara in Cuba. His pop art image 
Uh, it's an Irish artist that created the image, says Des. You are absolutely right, but I don't think, apart from colour changes and things like that, that the Che Guevara image that everybody knows and many people have on their wall was kind of changed or manipulated in the way uh, that Michael Collins is, in the sense that his Irish army uniform is now pink uh, and he's carrying designer bags. Uh, I was curious to see what the Collins family or members of the Collins family feel about this, having seen the image themselves. Uh, and Helen Collins is a grandniece of the late uh, Michael Collins and joins me by phone. Helen, have you seen it? Good morning, Neil. Happy New Year. And How you are too. You? I'm good. I'm um, good. Thank you. I have seen it. Yes, I have seen it. Personally, I think it's a bit sad and pathetic, to be honest with you, would be my response on it. I think the people who created it must have must not be aware of, of their history, to be honest. I think I feel that, and particularly in this year of the centenary of the Civil War. I think a lot of people have seen those... Um, uh, programs done by um, UCC and RT. Did I saw myself the double part of the uh, civil incredible, war? Yeah, yeah incredible yeah, programs yeah. and the terrible horror of it and the terrible suffering of of people all over Ireland. And um, I just feel that they obviously are, are, are have no empathy or sympathy um, for the year that's in it. Uh, to to use the image in this way. Um, that would be my feeling on mm, it, to be mm, honest with you. Mm. Um, oh, yeah, pop art, yeah, people can say that. Um, you know, sending up an image, you know, that we we laugh at ourselves kind of idea. Of course, of course, but somehow I don't feel that it's, it's hard to understand why do. an image of Michael Collins would be used um, to try and tee up or to promote um, uh, a future of retail um, um, get together in the Dean though I mean I, I, I fail to see a connection between the two you know um, well that's the piece that I suppose if you ask me what um, kind of would upset me about the image um, you know you can colour in whatever but uh, you know obviously the point you made his green uniform is the uniform of Ireland and um, he died for Ireland and um, but putting these kind of high-end, uh, exclusive, um, kind of over-the-top-priced goods in his hands is the piece that really upsets Why, why does that upset you, the Dior and the Coco Chanel bags? Because it's not the mark of the man, is it? Yeah, well, I, I, it would be the complete antithesis of what he would, of uh, the ethos of the man, of the ethos of our family. Like, it would be something that would be alien to him entirely. And um, I mean, I'm thinking of my grandfather here, whom I knew, his brother. It would be utterly alien in his world. I'm thinking of my father, um, like luxury goods in a time where very few people can ever afford to buy these. They certainly don't need them. Mm. And uh, all the people in Ireland uh, who are at the mercy of kind of uh, financial difficulties at the moment, hospital trolleys, homelessness, and you're putting a hero of Ireland who gave his life for the country with DR and Coco Chanel bags in his hand. Mad. Mad. Mm. 
you know, yeah. no connection, no relationship. I mean, if, if the GAA came along and said, well, you know, we'd like to uh, use the image of Michael Collins uh, to promote something or, you know, whatever, that might make sense. If it were, if it were it Roy Keane, no though, with the Chanel bag or a, or, or a Coco Chanel bag, or if it were Christy Ring or somebody, that would be more acceptable in, in the sense that this was a young man who at the age of 31 was shot in the head and killed in Bail and Blaw who yeah. had before that fought for Irish freedom from the British. It's fairly important stuff. It's huge stuff. And also what he represents um, in terms of Ireland, his place in Ireland, and what he... Re- and I think in the centenary year that's in it, what it represents. I think... I, I mean, I would call this ill-conceived in the highest to the highest degree. And I would call it bad taste to the highest degree. I call it bad manners. I, I won't go so far as to say it's bad f- faith, but it, it's certainly showing a level of, I think, of ignorance on the part of the people who conceived it. Yeah, you've used a lot to describe it there. Would disrespectful be in there? I, I mean, yes, of course you can say that. Of course you can say that, and I'm sure some people, and I'm sure there are families out there, you know, uh, beyond my family, who had people who died in the Civil War, who had people who died in the War of Independence would feel that it's disrespectful. There are some, they, though, who've said, chill out, it's only a bit of fun. And indeed, Elevate PR have said that it's just the same as Andy Warhol or Banksy. No, it's not. It's not. Andy, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of the figures that Andy Warhol has uh, represented. I, to the best of my knowledge, I haven't seen any of them with Dior or Chanel bags in their hand, to be honest with you. You made the point yourself about Che Guevara. Yeah. We grew up with him. Um, he was the image on everybody's uh, flat wall when we were um, in college and whatever. Um, the... There was nothing disrespectful about the way Che Guevara was represented um, in those posters mm, mm. that we were so fond of. There wasn't anything and differently changed, really, as such. There was nothing added yeah. or manipulated. But no, has, and Marilyn Monroe, I'm thinking of the same in terms yeah. of Andy Warhol. That it's the, the distasteful bit to me was linking him with luxury goods that bear no relation to most people in the world. Or to his and, legacy, indeed. But, but it, it, it's also this concept of, um, you know, it's like, it felt to me when I looked at it was, oh, who cares about the people who can't afford these? Who cares about the people who can't afford to, to, to have a roof over their heads? Let's put Michael Collins, who fought and died for Ireland and who paid the ultimate price, um, with this kind of level of frivolity mm. and awfulness mm. and in an industry that, where there have been many allegations of exploitation, serious exploitation. You- it is so removed from everything he stood they, for. They haven't removed the image, incidentally. It is still being used to promote the event next week. And some say that using an image like that would get the likes of the media talking about an event like this of and course, probably yeah, will have more, course, more yeah. footfall. But does a family like the Collins have any control over photographs of your, of your, your granduncle and others like you? Um, yeah, or, or are they public sure. open property? That look that that silhouette, and and I'm I'm sure you've seen it everywhere now on the um, signage from Cork County Council for um, the important areas of Michael Collins's life. And um, that silhouette in green or whatever or dark colour is kind of well in the public domain. 
Um, I mean, it's, I suppose, it's it's bringing, in my view, it's bringing Michael Collins into disrepute, um, whether there's an argument to be made there or not. Mm, but uh, mm. I, w- I would certainly request um, the people who um, created this to remove it. I think it is, I think it's, I really do think it's sad and pathetic. Would you? you, know, would you are you saying so categorically this morning, as a member of the Collins family, that they should desist and use it and rem- desist using it and remove it? I I can't make anybody do anything in that regard. You would ask at then, this is moment it? in time. I would request that it would that that it would be removed. You know, it's as simple as that. What those people do, um, obviously, is up to themselves. But it is it is bad taste and bad manners and. You know, very, very bad. Uh, I got a a text as well, lots of texts on this. One of them is from an ex-member of the Defence Forces. As an ex-member of the Defence Forces of 23 years and a loyal Irish veteran, I think this so-called art of such a high figure of our country being displayed in such a way is nothing short of a mockery of Michael Collins and should not be allowed. Well, I suppose it is a caricature, if you want to put it like that, which is very distasteful. Um, you know, it, it is, and I, I, I appreciate what that man says, because that's what I'm thinking of in terms of beyond our family. It's not just our family alone. It's, it's, it's what he, his uniform, his life has represented for so many people. It's what it, it makes it very sad. <laughs> and I, I just feel that clearly, I, you know, it feels like a young person did this. I, I I don't know. I might be dreaming this up. I know it's it a, no. This is this is um, a well respected artist called Will St. Ledger. Um, oh, he, I, he says I, I because don't know uh, that. He, and he says that because of men and women like Collins, I enjoy the freedom to satirize icons like him without fear of restriction or the threat of imprisonment. And for that, I'm grateful, Michael Collins. You deserve uh, a free night off. That's just one section of the certificate that came. With the print, he's saying that he's actually he's actually saying that because of um, Michael Collins' fight for freedom for the Irish and for us, in spite of the civil war that came afterwards, uh, that he can do this, and he's thanking Collins for being able to do it. Yeah, okay, but I mean, there's lots of things we can all do, thankfully, uh, due to our democracy, but we don't choose to do them because they're in bad taste. Mm-hmm. Many people you know, do I mean, find it in bad taste, including family members like yourself. Yeah. Well, it, it is. And as I say, I think it's sad. Actually, it, you know, um, I'm not going to take insult from it because I'm not going to be dictated to by a stranger as to how I feel mm. in that sense. Mm. But I, I, I think it is very, very bad taste and sad. Okay. And okay. sad for so many people that um, have given their life for Ireland thank you it's not not necessary thank you for being frank thank you for being open and thank you for expressing your feelings on it Helen Uh, thank you so much as always all the best bye bye bye. grandniece of the late Michael Collins Helen Collins you can text 0868104106 although Edwin says it's an artistic statement what do people get so upset about the pink get over it it's just a colour well I hope you have a better understanding of why some might get upset about it now having listened to Helen it's not just the pink or not even pink or whatever pink represents as a colour from the change of the 
actual colour of the original uniform. It, it, it's just manipulating the photograph with shopping bags that happen to be designer bags as well as everything else. Uh, Shane says, disrespect, disrespectful, plain and simple. Maureen, so now the great man himself is being attacked. It's an insult to his memory and it's absolutely horrendous. Uh, Fionn Barra says, disgraceful to the memory of Michael Collins. Thank you for those. There's lots more. Text 0868104106. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818104106. Cork's Red FM. One would have thought, actually, I've just discovered that it was the Dean Hotel in Cork that they were having this uh, event, but it's actually the Dean Hotel in Dublin, and I was thought that it automatically see the Dean Hotel, you think of Cork, but it's not actually, it's Dublin, and I was thinking that if it were the Dean Hotel, it might have been because of the Cork connection with Collins or whatever, but no, it's actually a Dublin event, and you have to wonder whether those in Dublin actually understand, um, you know, the you know importance of uh, maybe Michael Collins, not just to the country, but the uh, importance of him to uh, the county of Cork. Uh, welcome to 2023, people. Fecked up is the new normal, says Chris. James, disgusting desecration of a national icon. Sabina says just one word, dreadful. There's more than disgrace, gross disrespect. Um, many people saying disrespectful. Uh, mind you, is an interesting one if you throw your eyes back or you throw your thoughts back. How we rolled our eyes at the Brits for being outraged at the Sex Pistols image of Her Majesty. The way the country is being run is far more disrespectful to his memory than any image like this. That's a good one. I like that. And then on a very light-hearted note, Andrea says, he looks so cute. Go Mickey, you're so fine. Which is a line from the old Tony Basil song. Go Mickey, you're so fine, you're so fine, you blow my mind. So that's just a selection for you. Text 0868 104106. Pick up the phone on 0818104106. We talked a lot about bouncers and door staff and security. Uh, earlier in the week, my first ever time in Cork, about 10 or so years back, I res- refused entry to one of the pubs in the city centre. The reason being that I was causing trouble the night before. I swear, I was only just off the air coach. I even showed your man my ticket and return ticket, but he said his word was final. I was living in Dublin at the time, and I didn't know what to think of Cork and the doorman or what the problem was. Is it the way I look, young, black man with dreadlocks, perhaps? I thought I would never come back to Cork, but who was I kidding? I'm six years and living in West Cork now. Love the show. Yeah, I wonder, was it because of the fact that you were young, black and with dreadlocks, all of the above? And then we were talking yesterday about satellites and I was chatting with the people down at the observatory in Black Rock and asking whether or not uh, they believe that there was other life on other planets and they firmly do. UFOs are 100% real. You need to chat to Professor Gary Nolan from Stanford. He has Irish heritage and he says UFOs uh, and indeed life on other planets are the real deal. Yeah, that could be a, a good conversation. Absolutely. Thanks for that. We'll chase that one down. Um, and, and then some of the people who either were looking at bookshops selling Harry's book or buying Harry's book. I was walking through town a while ago and I spotted Harry's book spare for sale in one of the bookshops. It was in the fiction section. Really? Huh? No, it wouldn't be. It wouldn't be in fiction, sure, wouldn't it? It would be in fact. I suppose that could well be deemed as a joke. Are you serious? Um, sometimes I take things at face value and perhaps I shouldn't. Anyway, text 0868104106. With everybody talking about the price of the pint this morning, I will come back to it. But can I just mention something? You might have heard it in the news there at uh, 10 o'clock this morning. This is something that we've touched on on this program on many occasions in the past. And that is hair coursing. I don't know what kind of power a municipal council would have or indeed a county council would have to change national legislation but there was, you might have heard it, there was a Green Party vote um, uh, in the last few days 
to try and have a nationwide ban on hair coursing introduced in Ireland. Um, and four voted for it, but 36 councillors voted against it. There were three abstentions. So that was a landslide defeat of um, the call for a national ban on hair coursing. 36 to 4. One of those that voted for it or proposed it was Councillor Alan O'Connor of the Green Party. He joins me by phone. Alan, good morning. Morning, Neil. How are you? Good. Did you did you expect that kind of a vote? Um, and were you just going through the motions? In terms of the outcome, no. In I, the terms of 36 against 4. No, I, I didn't expect that level of um, an outcome, to be honest. I knew that certain councillors would have been, you know, quite closely associated perhaps with the sport and would have passionately defended it. But I thought there would have been more votes up for grabs for sure. And particularly considering that the general public themselves, probably the majority, if the, if the polls are be t- to be believed, would support a ban on hair coursing as well. So I was surprised by the... Do you have any polls to back that up? I mean, we deal with it on the air from time to time and, and you are right. Certainly the people listening to me, the vast majority of them, would be very much against any form of animal cruelty. I suppose the poll that we've been referring to recent, in recent days when we discussed this, there was a Red Sea poll, and um, that was carried out in 2019, and it showed that 77% of the general public, and no difference between urban and rural areas, but 7%, 77% would be in favour of a ban, with 9% against. And you can look as well, just the bigger picture in the EU, Ireland is one of only three countries which continue to allow hair coursing. Banned in the UK, it's not allowed in Northern Ireland. So in a general sense, I suppose you can look at that. And I do defend minority positions, so looking at the majority isn't the be-all and end-all, I know that. But I think you can get a sense that there would be a groundswell of opinion within the public who would, who would be amenable and open to a ban on hair coursing. Uh, maybe in county council areas, you'd have county councillors, obviously, representing a lot of the rural community who would think differently to the urban community, perhaps. What do you think? Possibly, but... And yeah, I think that's probably... There's a lot of hair coursing clubs, in the sense. Yeah, there are a good few. I don't know exactly how many. But like I said, that poll showed a divide, that the divide was similar, rural and urban, opposed yeah. to hair coursing. And I do know people who live in rural areas who are opposed to hair coursing as well. It's not... I don't think there's a direct correlation between being from a rural area and supporting hair coursing. I think it wasn't... Didn't Eileen Lynch, one of the councillors I heard at 10 o'clock, saying that it's very much part of rural life, though, and she would protect that, the tradition of that. I did, because they say that it's not necessarily cruel. The, the, the dogs are muzzled and the hares don't die. I'd wonder, well, hares do die from, um, from coursing. They, I mean, even if a dog is muzzled, first of all, a hare is being chased. They, they've been caught and captured. They're held in captivity. And then they're chased. And so that's going to be psychologically cruel. That's going to terrorize them. And then they get injured, reports of broken backs, broken legs, damaged toes, dislocated hips. Mm. And there is a percentage that die as well. I mm. think the ICC, that's the Irish Coursing Club who administer events, coursing meets, even they'd say that their statistics would be, I think, 98, 99% of hares survive. So you're talking at least 1 in 50, 1 in 100, and that's... And, and, and that's not taking into consideration the trauma that the hare goes through and still survives, so it's not... Absolutely. And so, do you know of any county councils anywhere in Ireland that have, have had a vote that was successful where yours was unsuccessful? 
yes, there were two votes recently that I'm aware of. One in Westmeath proposed by another Green Party councillor, and that failed. And there was one in Sligo County Council proposed by Gino O'Boyle, who's a People Before Profit councillor, and that passed. I don't know what the voting proportions were. So they passed it in one council to ban hair coursing, but you don't have the power to do that, even if it's voted in council, so you don't. No, the nature of the motion would be to write to the minister, that this council writes to the minister, and then we can say, look, as a democratically elected local body, this is our opinion, we think you should ban this sport. And we do that for other things, general things. There was one in the council meeting recently where... There was an ask to write to the Minister of Transport to put more bus shelters or make bus shelters mandatory. Oh, and they, yeah, that's how you do it, yeah. You propose oh, yeah. it up the chain, if you like. Exactly. It's our way of representing to the Minister and to raise awareness of the issue, to put it into the public domain, to be able to debate it and, you know, strike our colours, so to speak, on it, is by pushing it up to that national level and asking a Minister to act on a national level. So in this case, we asked the Minister for Agriculture, who is responsible for um, administering the, the um, Irish Coursing Club who administer the meetings and regulate the meetings. Yes, yeah. And the NPWS under a different minister would, you know, regulate licences. So we could go to either of those ministers, really, and ask them to knock their heads okay. together. OK, just a very interesting for let you go. Uh, gentleman called Podrick, who's a member of Mallow Coursing Club, says to me, Coursing clubs throughout the country do incredible work for the preservation of the Irish hare. The hare is a protected species and the Coursing Club members are its front line of defence. He says it's been proven since the ban on coursing in England that without coursing, the coursing club members, the hare population would be decimated. Research shows that the populations are 15 times greater where coursing clubs are situated. Um, It's a misunderstood sport often exaggerated and sensationalised. 99% of hares are safely released back into their preserves after each event. If anyone is in doubt, attend Clonmel in February. There'll be 40,000 people there with you and you can make an informed opinion on the sport then, says Podrig from Mallow Coursing Club. Have you ever attended? No, I haven't. Never. He's encouraging you to go along in February. Would you do that? I don't think I'd be inclined to do so, to be honest. I mean, I think I get the gist of what goes on at these meetings. You take a hare who you've captured, you've held for a month or so, you've trained them, and then you release them to the dogs and see see how they run, so to speak. I'm not entirely sure. I mean, I guess it's a social event as well. Yeah. But no, I don't think there's anything about it, apart from that basic fundamental fact of the what it is a cruel sport I, I don't think it would change my mind to okay. attend the meeting okay thank you for taking the call Alan appreciate that Councillor Alan O'Connor of the Green Party out of out of Cove uh, again 36 voted against 4 voted for with 3 abstentions uh, stay with this on the phone lines if you don't mind Brian good morning morning what are your thoughts uh, oh, to be honest I was just a bit caught there um to listen to a, an elected representative who never actually even went to a coursing. He says he doesn't have uh, to go to know that in his eyes it's cruel. Ah, but you can still have a, have a look and see how very well run these are and how very uh, popular these are uh, with a lot of people. I mean, just because it doesn't suit some people, does that mean we just need to ban it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, not, just, not just some people, though. Um, uh, an awful lot of people, according to that Red Sea poll, 77% of the population of Ireland would be in favour of banning hair coursing. 
how many of them have actually attended an event to see how it's how well, it's that's run. a very good point nor have I I've only seen the videos so good point yeah yeah. I mean, the, the horse racing industry is a multi-billion euro industry. Uh, there's a horse being uh, rode around the track there for three miles. Like, is that right? You know, but just because uh, a horse is it's, a, it's such a well popular sport that uh, we don't need to ban that. You know what I mean? Does mm, how many? I'm so sure that horses are being chased though. Um, are it doesn't sound as as, a, as it, well. Let me put it like this: It doesn't sound barbaric as you describe horse racing, is it? Not barbaric, no. Because you don't hear about all the horses that are tossed aside every year uh, uh, who don't make the cut as such. You know what I mean? But it's all forgotten about because it's a it's a very uh, worthwhile economy. So we better not talk about horse racing. Yeah, yeah. When it comes to it, when it comes to the little boys who are just going to their um, going to their hair coursing events, let's pick on those. You know, it, I just think it's very it's very small minds out of a lot of people who think that they can just attack. Uh, uh, rural folk like that who just enjoy going along and going to a hair coursing event. It's not. It's not yeah, barbaric. You go it to was it, you, barbaric. You, I know, but if do you ever look at it through the eyes of the hair, Brian? <laughs> I do. I do look at it through the eyes of the hair. Yeah, and I do. I, I, I often wonder what the hair is thinking when he's been chased down the, down the field and then he gets caught again and he's put back into the wild when he's finished. I mean, he does that it, not does even he, you saying that? Does that not even sound cruel to you? You've said the words. But how how is it cruel? I mean, it's it's one of the the oldest sports in the world, uh, and like it's a hair at the end of the day. He, he's going to be released back into the wild. As I said, there are a lot of work has been done to preserve the hair, which was in decline along uh, for for a while. Uh, I think someone made a point there of if you look around, and the hairs are actually coming up in population. Where all but these I, I um, fail to understand how coursing clubs can take the credit for that. Could you explain that to me? Well, I think they like they're not being killed. They're not being uh, they're not being maimed. They're being they're being caught and they're being released back into the wild. The dogs are muzzled. I mean, there's a lot of people that kind of they they hear about it and they say, "Oh God, that's awful." But maybe just go and watch it and see it for yourself. First. But but I hear from those that don't like it or aren't fans of it that, that sometimes the hare's legs can be dislocated or their backs can be broken. And how many times do you see here of a horse getting put down when he jumps over a fence and breaks his leg and he has to get an injection and he's put down? Yeah, but not the horse isn't being chased by a much larger animal fearing for yeah, his well, he, But the horse has been chased by another horse behind him over a fence and he's been whipped up a straight. I mean, yeah. I, I just don't see it. I think people are just thinking, the poor hare, but when we talk about a big horse, it's okay. Because it's, it's such a, a massive industry. Let's not talk about that. But those horses literally dying every single day of the week. A lot more, trust me, than than hares are dying. But because it's the Irish economy and it's worth so much, we better not talk about that side of it. Yeah, no, you I don't actually. You actually don't course hares with dogs. I don't course hares, no. But I'm a hunting man myself. You know, I enjoy I enjoy the outdoors and I enjoy and I enjoy meeting lads who are involved in the outdoors because you know what what's, what you want to like. It's their way of life and it's a pastime to a lot of people, you know? Okay, okay. Let me get some more calls out. I appreciate your thoughts and your sentiments and your opinion. Thanks, Brian. Victoria, good morning. Hello. Thanks for holding. Go ahead. I'll get a couple of calls on this. Go ahead. Okay, so um, some of your previous callers um, have uh, been very interesting. As you can probably tell from my accent, I am from England. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> excuse me, the point about um, banning hair coursing, excuse me, in England is an interesting one. Um, so it has, uh, li- excuse me, led to a rise in a lot of illegal poaching, certainly um, in Lincolnshire, where I'm from. It's very flat, um, large open fields. Uh, we get uh, people from all over England come in to basically illegal course. 
um, on farmers' fields. Um, now these. So these it may be people, illegal, but it still goes on. You're saying? Um, no, what I'm going to say is, so it's illegal. These people that come to Lincolnshire to course, um, I, I assume that you uh, have uh, Heartbeat that used to be shown on ITV. Heartbeat, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, um, you know, you, everyone sort of thinks, oh, poacher, you know, Jeremiah Greengrass, he's just out to get a rabbit for a, or a hare for his tea. Yeah. That isn't true. The, the poachers that we get in Lincolnshire are criminals. They're often linked to a lot of other um, criminal activities. So before hair cutting was made illegal and obviously uh, all the other bits and bobs that are uh, encroached with our hunting laws, um, you know, you could have, say, I could take my dog out and I could go... Um, hair coursing, uh, we're not talking about say, muzzled hair coursing, I can go and chase hair with my dog, etc. Mm. Um, that would often put the illegal criminals off because they don't know where the legal, um, should we say, gamekeeper hair courser will be. But now, unfortunately, it's, I'm not saying it's a free-for-all, but you know, I've heard stories of you know, they'll threaten to rape farmers' daughters, they chew up crops, they're really vile individuals. So, well, what, what's, like, Where's the criminal aspect in this? What are they after? Hairs? Uh, to be honest, they're, they're, they're just horrible people. They, they're not bothered about the dogs, the hares that they are chasing, anything. They are just basically wanton criminals. They're not going with a dog to get a hare for their tea, like Jeremiah Greengrass on Heartbeat. They, they're, they're there for their illegal gambling, basically. They're just a horrible, Oh, I see. Okay, I see. Yeah, um, but not, not people that you would want to get involved in. And most of them are actually from... Um, large towns for example um, so yes um, so <clears throat> excuse me I would uh, say by having the presence of coursing clubs in Ireland that will be monitoring local hair populations I mean I'm not an expert on Irish coursing at all um, but you are saying it's not I, cruel for a dog that is bred to chase and run to chase a hare with a muzzle on that's what you're saying I didn't say anything of the sort no I'm paraphrasing but is that not your yeah. is that not your belief though well, my, my point was that by having the coursing clubs around Ireland, 10 to 1, it will put off these horrible criminals that will do all sorts of vile things to, to the dogs and to the hares. So surely that's better overall than banning coursing and having these criminals, you know, damaging property. I see what you're saying. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so you've got an element there of... Not necessarily what I call self-policing, um, but there's certainly more people out there watching for the hairs. So in the sense that if it's regulated, as it is here in Ireland, it actually will do more benefit than banning it because of the criminality that would be introduced instead, as you found in the yes, UK. Uh, okay. Yes, I would imagine. You know, um, okay. Again, I, I'm not an expert on Irish, Irish laws in, in that sense, but I, all I know is from my own experience of what goes on in my county in England but okay. they really are very unpleasant characters Okay, thank you for that Victoria have a good day today Pat, good morning Morning Thanks for holding um, Your thoughts on this it was very, very heavily defeated at Cork County Council anyway Yeah, but basically um, where I have a problem with this is the money that the government are pumping into this industry like all whatever sports are there they should be um, self-funded um, basically, you can see the country uh, is struggling with housing, with cost of living, with everything. Um, we 
don't have the comfort in this country at the moment of pumping money into um, the sporting organisations. And this is right across the board. Um, we need to start to look at uh, where money is being spent. And I believe um, if they want to keep the sport, and there's probably people listening to the programme that are very passionate about the sport, they need to regulate it some bit, they need to downscale it. But the one thing out of why I was calling is uh, taxpayers' money should not be pumped in. Right, but I read, I read that um, Coursing receives no funding from the government. Uh, oh, they, re- they receive massive funding. No, I mean, Borden Agon, the Irish Greyhound Board, gets something like 13.6 million. But that's yeah. different. Is that what you're referring to? They control... Well, I'm referring the, oh, to... They, uh, but Borden Agon control uh, hair coursing, don't they? They do, but like I'm referring to so all... So the 13.6 bil- million could be spent on greyhound racing and hair coursing? It could be spent on cost of living and uh, problems that you have um, at the moment there. That money could be spent. And if they decide that they love the sport so much, they need to regulate it. They need to uh, generate wealth from it, whether it's through gambling or with people there or whatever. Um, but they, it needs to basically self-fund itself. The Irish Coursing Club is continuing to receive at least €100,000 every year from the taxpayer-funded Irish Greyhound Board. So the Greyhound Board gets a big chunk, of which some of it then they give to hair coursing. So in that regard, you're right. I'm not sure how accurate those numbers are, but there certainly is money being given by the Irish taxpayer. It's like even the horse industry, and you know um, the amount of money that that um, industry is uh, generating there uh, and you have very wealthy people within that whole thing that should not be funded either like that is a, a big industry there's massive amounts of money there and none of this these are all luxury sports these are all people that can go there and fire thousands upon thousands on horses and on dogs or whatever the last thing that this should be happening in this country okay, okay. if we, we need to have this country run properly is funding luxury sports and these are luxury and tell me are you, when you say luxury I thought it, there's a lot of gambling at these course events there's there? a lot of gambling but people what I'm talking about luxury is people that will go to a horse racing or whatever they have the luxury of having money that they can put on a horse when there's people and this is the point I'm making when there's people in their homes barely able to put food on I know table. that but it seems as if you have more of an issue with gambling really like well, people, are entitled, people are entitled to gamble it's their money it is their money but what I often said about gambling is even with drinking you're talking about early you can drink so much and you'll fall down but with gambling you'll gamble according to your means and it causes an awful lot of stress within families and the whole lot we need to look at gambling as well but what we need what I want talking about this morning is Government should not be funding um, out of taxpayers' money uh, these type of these industries. All these okay, no, I know that. It's just, I know that. You said you said you've seen you've said you've seen the hard side of gambling. What, what do you mean when you say that? Yeah, well, I saw the hard side of gambling because, as I said, um, in my own home, my dad would have been into gambling and whatever. And but I've I've uh, heard and I've spoke to people uh, because I worked with people there each day, and I, I met an awful lot of people. And they would tell me the hardship of gambling. Oh, and sure, like I, you're right. I know what you're saying. It is one of it's, it most, an awful lot of pressure. it's one of the most um, insidious addictions, isn't it? 
It is, and like my dad was often telling me, like they'd go to Cheltenham, and even the fellas would have lost their money on the boat on the way over playing cards, and they'd have to actually get put money together to uh, get accommodation for the person. So the person wouldn't even go to the race; they wouldn't even have the money. So that's how addictive it can actually get. But we we do need. And did like, it impact in your family? Do you mind me asking? It didn't you? impact because my dad, like, was a hard worker, and what he would do is he took after the table. But after that, um, you know. He 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 grew up with he, in a rural area. Would have been um, you know gambling would have been very much um, part of the rural area, yeah. and uh, he did enjoy and he did see the social side of it. So I have no problem. But do you know the cases where it's very very chronic? It absorbed the entire household budget, and jobs were lost, and families broke down, and went. It went, is, went and that's hungry. where it really gets to hurt. Like as I said, my dad. Um, would have liked the comfort of going to Cheltenham and going to York and even going to the Galway races and that and he would have worked hard to have that but where I have a problem with it is at the lower end where you have families uh, in real poverty due to this mm. and like I don't think the government should be funding and um, this type Alright you've thing. made that point yeah, very yeah. strong actually yeah. you may be interested it's, there's an alarming statistic which I don't have to hand accurately in front of me now uh, with regards to the increase in gambling amongst you young people um, and this of course would be online gambling and smartphone gambling and an even bigger problem amongst young people who are actively engaged in sport a lot of young men in sport gamble apparently um, it's a big business and, and more people are gambling it's just not the old days of going into the bookies anymore now Pat you see what happened with young people and you see this with their phones, with their apps this is just another app and this is just another press of a button and they don't realise like how easy at the press of a button their money is gone I've studied um, the advertising and, and the marketing for it like and you see oh, it on television massive, and, and when you look at it when you look at all of this advertising and the videos online, you get the impression that you could never lose, you know they're, they're, they're very strategic it's done how very they, cleverly yeah, the advertising very, because yeah. it's done so glamorous and like as I said the whole industry is done so glamorous uh, to, to land people in and as I said I even see when the lottery or the, the scratch cards came out first I often see it because I used to do deliveries and I often saw it in small towns where you have people collecting their dole and they're getting 15 scratch cards and the 15 pounds <sighs> gone out of their dole yeah, before the even week starts I and I, I said to myself, like, this is very, very wrong. And I, I, I you know, I see it on a day to day. There's people there I see and they have, uh, they're always scratching. They're always sitting in care, scratching cars. And I see it even when I go to the supermarket, you have people in front of you there and you're waiting because they want two of this one and two of that yeah, one. Yeah, hoping for the big and win. Hoping for the big win. Yeah, but like as I said, um, it's sad to see that people can be roped into this um, so easy and it can cause so much hardship and it's, as you said there earlier it's very sad to see the young people uh, just it's another app and it's another press of a button and they don't know how easy it is to get lamped into this and they don't know how much this will control and maybe possibly destroy their lives so like we need to start looking at this but we definitely do not need to be funding this Okay, thank you. Much obliged to you for taking the call. Covered a lot of ground. Thank you, Pat. Text 0868-104-106. One or two quick ones then on the price increases that we dealt with earlier this morning. Anthony says, the drink giants just do as they wish. And if everyone didn't indulge for even one day, uh, as in boycott for a day, the message might get through. The introduction of zero zero would be something of a comedy sketch in the past. 
but yet it sells at the same price. So is alcohol actually free? I think the problem is, they say, it's the expenses taking the alcohol out of the alcohol free. You know what I mean? That the alcohol has to be taken out. It's more expensive to do that. Anyway, Anthony says these price rises will do harm to the pubs short term, never mind long term. Um, a local pub in Farnry put the pint up by 60 cent last Sunday. So some of them are already doing so. Somebody quoting the price of a pint in a pub in Blackrock as €6.30 for a pint of Coors. And final one, I remember back in the day around 1973, up in the north when it was 50 pence a pint, there was uproar that you could only get two pints for a pound. Those were the days, says Desi. Back after 11. I'm Rory. And I'm Valerie. And you can join us for the very best in local, national and international sport every weekend on The Big Red Bench. That's The Big Red Bench, every Saturday and Sunday from 6 on Cork's Red FM. Talk to Neil Prenderville now. 0818-104-106. Cork's Red FM. I'd love to chat to you about that. I see a text coming in on the first date there, just popping up on my screen. I met my now partner of seven years on Women's Little Christmas in a local bar. He was on a date at the time. Uh, I waited until she went to the bathroom and I made my swift move. I'd love that one. That's a great text. Swipping somebody else's boyfriend. They're the kind of ones I'm talking about. No, no, but seriously, let me go back to some calls on different topics this morning including uh, hair coursing which was defeated uh, the Green Party put it forward at Cork County Council there was an overwhelming vote against banning it 36 voted against the motion while only 4 voted for it amongst them was Eileen Lynch the Fine Gael councillor um, I don't have her by phone but she is quoted this morning as saying she voted against it because it's part of our heritage our culture and our tradition coursing is part of rural Ireland Coursing provides a social outlet for many people. People look after each other, care for the dogs and they care for the hair. This is just a further attack on rural life in Ireland by the Green Party, she said. Anyway, your thoughts on that? Text 0868104106. Ashley, good morning. Hi, how are you? I know you're outdoors. I think you're up the fields feeding the horses. Is that right? I, I, I'm gone indoors now. <laughs> All right, fair play. Okay, you wanted to pick up. You're from rural Ireland. Your thoughts on hair coursing? Yeah. I, I think it's abominable. I, I, I just don't understand how people can get their kicks from watching dogs chasing hares around the field. I just don't understand it. Um, I understand it. they think it's part of rural Ireland. Why not then start doing something like helping to re-breed the, the hares and reintroduce them to the wild instead of having dogs chase them for the fun of it? They say that hair coursing actually is very beneficial to hare population, that it's thriving because time after time they're saying that they look after the hares, they're cared for and very they well do. regulated. Sure, of course they do, yeah. yeah. Tor- tor- tormenting and terrorising a poor animal that does not want to be there. Have you ever seen a dog chasing a cat, Neil? Like, the cat is terrorised by a dog. The dog is having great fun, the cat is terrorised. So, please explain to me, get someone to explain to me why they think that a dog chasing a hare is beneficial for that animal. Well, they, they, they're looking at it from different points of view. Like, there's a Fianna Fáil councillor called Joe Carroll who said that hunting, and he voted against this, his hunting was part of my upbringing and my heritage. It was part of my youth growing up. He says it's the most enjoyable social event. Oh my God, bloodthirsty people. I have to, look, I'm not going There's to no say blood spilled though, so it's wrong to say that. Okay, hunting, now I'm going to go back to hunting, you just brought up hunting there as part of his heritage. I, I'm not going to say I'm clean in this, I've been brought up in horses my whole life, and when we were children, we were all hunting out with the foxhounds, and I've never seen a fox being killed, but I have heard stories, and it's 
it's horrendous. Like, why would people want to go out and watch it, an innocent animal being torn apart by a load of dogs? Because those that would be engaged in hair coursing would be as horrified as you are about that. They they say they don't kill the hair, that the dogs are muzzled. I, don't know. I, I mean, I, forgive me now if I, I sound I as if I'm defending them, but I have a job to do at the same time. I mean, I, 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 yeah. I, I do appreciate that if I were the hair, I would be petrified with fear. Exactly. So how are they? How are they saying then that they're benefiting the hair population by having dogs tormenting them? Like no wild animal wants to be caught, brought into captivity, chased by a dog, and then released. The majority of them are probably going to end up dying of heart attacks. Like I've done veterinary as well for years, and wild animals when they come into us when they're injured or even if picked up by people, they do not do well in captivity. They don't do well being handled by people. But we should say the same about fishing then, shouldn't we? I or agree. we should the I same about breed either. about breeding cows or, or sheep or lambs for meat, surely be to God. But that's different because they're domesticated animals. They are born into human. You know, they're always under human supervision. Whereas wild animals are but never... But does that make it any less animals. cruel to breed cows and cattle for meat? I don't think so because we don't chase the cow around with dogs before we kill it. I'm quite sure that their last moments before their, I don't know, what is it, shot with a bolt or something? Well, they're they're usually electric, electrocuted. All right, well that can't be shot. that can't be pleasant. They they say that no, they can anti- they say that they can anticipate that death. I I, I I totally understand, but at the end of the day, we are using those animals for meat. What is the point in terrorizing a hare if you're not going to use it for meat? Like I under, like rabbit um, hunting, I understand they're going to use that rabbit for meat to eat it for dinner, whatever. But why not, like, hairs are protected. So why are we tormenting them? Why is our government allowing people to torment our protected species? Why do you keep horses? Because I love them. But do you race them? I don't. You're, so they're not, you don't keep them for sport or horse racing, are they? You keep them... I, I, do, I do a little bit of low-level show jumping with them. Oh, I see, I see. Okay, okay, all right. Okay. Uh, one of the questions you asked then is why would people take pleasure or find um, any kind of enjoyment out of tormenting an animal? Is that your point? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Thank you for that. Let me put that question no, so to Eileen Lynch, the Fine Gael councillor who voted against the motion to ban hair coursing. Eileen, good morning. Uh, thank you for taking the call. Straightforward question there from Ashling. How could anybody take any kind of pleasure in tormenting an animal? Well, we don't see it as tormenting the animal. Coursing is a tradition which has been around for hundreds of years. For me, as I said on Monday in the chamber, it's part of my tradition and it's part of my culture and it's part of my heritage. It's part of what I've been brought up with. Coursing is a highly, highly regulated sport. Um, the license is granted on a yearly basis by the National Parks and Wildlife Services, operating under the Department of Housing and Heritage. It's been muzzled for over 30 years. 99.5% of hares are returned to the wild. And whilst this argument is one that keeps coming up, this, this word cruelty is thrown around with facts. I suppose anyone who knows the hare, I mean, I've seen them close up, I've seen them out in the wild. They're a truly amazing animal. Um, in terms of their resili- resilience, their agility, mm. their stereophonic hearing, they have 360 degree vision. Mm. They have an amazing capacity to recover after a chase. And for all those who are saying, you know, it's, as I said, cruel is the word that's thrown around. But the fact of the matter is, we've had hairs in this country since the Ice Age. Wildlife, by its very nature, I suppose, is cruel. If hairs weren't able for a chase, 
they wouldn't still be existence. The population would be wiped out. And even in terms of, you know, the National Parks and Wildlife Service who regulate wildlife, I suppose, maybe regulate is not the correct word, but look after wildlife in this country. Because of the fact that the hare is a protected species, they're obliged under the Habitats Directive to hair surveys. The most recent one was done in 2019. Mm. This was done independently. It predicts that there's some... It gives the... Because of the nature of the animal, they can't have definite numbers, but it estimates that you're somewhere in the remit of 223,000 hairs in Ireland, which is... They say at the exact same level as the previous survey, which was done no six. Well, that, we don't think I, that there's I, any decline. No, I, know, it's, I don't think people are looking at it through whether there's enough hares in the country or not. It's what's going through the mind or the head, the brain of the hare when it's being chased. Like it is literally running and racing for its life, right? I don't think it's running for its life. As I've told you, ninety-nine point five percent of them are released back into the wild. The most, I but think, they don't know that when they're no. But they don't know that when they're being chased. The fear is still. Equally, don't know that when a fox is chasing after them in the wild. They also do they know it or don't they know it when illegal hunters, when lurchers are chasing after them, unmuzzled up to six or seven dogs on a hair and I think it's well and good to talk about coursing course is highly regulated it's low hanging fruit nobody seems to want to address the issue of illegal hunting I note also the previous speaker spoke about and um, she can't see the point in coursing because the hair is there and she'll be allowed whatever are these people aware that you can shoot hairs in Ireland that's allowed are they aware that there was a ban passed in England in 2004 which didn't work you see a massive rise in wildlife crime in illegal hunting and poaching of hairs in the UK in fact in three months following the ban in the UK in 2004 you had 8,000 hairs shot now that to me but, but was that by, was that by, was that by farmers though because of disease issues not necessarily no. by disease issues. Um, sorry, partially by farmers, but also because they would be seen as a pest there more so than they would here. Okay, okay. But to use but, it... You know, if, if you look, when you mention disease, you think, you know, people think of, say, like, mixo and that kind of thing in rabbits. That's what they're in here. You, 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 you talk about it, okay, and you back up the figures by saying 99.5 of them are released back into the wild. I understand yeah. that I've made the point, though, to you on a number of occasions that there still is the fear in the head and the brain of the hair. That's all very well. But ultimately, you, you do it for, for, for fun as, as a social outlet. I understand that it's coming from the rural community and it's been that way for many, many generations. But for fun and for social activity... Um, is that is that good enough? It is enough? a social activity. I believe it's good enough. I believe, as I said, it's it's part of my heritage. It's what we've done, and also, you know, as I said, look, it's regulated. It's it's within a particular season. It's a test of a dog. That that's what this is. The test ever and ever since the start of coursing. The aim was never ever to kill the hair. The aim is always to test the dog to see who makes the hair change direction or to whoever, whichever dog runs up the field fastest. And I suppose my concern here, um, and unfortunately I didn't hear all of the speakers you had on this morning, but the consistent thing here seems to be that, you know, coursing is cruel, we shouldn't be using animals in this way. And for me, that's the thin edge of thin end of the wedge. And I believe that's why this is an attack on rural Ireland. Because if it's coursing mm. today, Tomorrow it will be fox hunting, shooting, fishing, point pointing, greyhound racing, horse racing. I mean, no. I tried to make that point. Where do you draw the line? I mean, I was talking about yeah. fishing, and is that not deemed to be cruel? Or the you know the the rearing of cattle for meat, you know, or the rearing of lambs at the slaughter at a young age. All all of that is up for. But 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 that's for meat to eat. This is different for fun. True, but as I said, where do you stop then? As you've just said, but. 
what's right and what isn't. And I don't, you know, we're very lucky in this country, particularly, well, well, I suppose, like the international state, that we live in a democracy, not in an any state. Oh, and you voted against but it in the council. Should, I, yeah, I know, but the, the vast yeah. majority of people in the Red Sea poll want it banned. I note that, Neil, but I think an, an important thing about that poll to note as well, because, I mean, if we're going to discuss it, let's discuss it fairly. That poll was commissioned by ICAB, the Irish Council Against Blood Sport. It is what it says on the tin. So therefore, do Red Sea wouldn't go out to no, but Red Sea would not go out to motive, to uh, manipulate a poll. I'm not saying they would go out to manipulate a poll, but what I'm saying is that do we know what questions are asked? As you know, depending on the way questions are asked, answers can be varied. Do we know how informed people were about the topic? Because it seems to me that a lot of people who are anti-coursing are very unaware of what actually happens. They're very unaware that dogs muzzled. They're very unaware that the vast, vast majority of hairs are released back into the wild. They're unaware that while, say, for the limited time they are kept in hair parks, they're not held in this term that's thrown around captivity as if they're caged. They're in a three to five acre space. They're fed well. They're vaccinated for fluke, etc., if necessary. Also, where you have coursing clubs, you have a higher level of hairs in the wild. You see a lot of coursing clubs leaving out old apples, etc., during the winter. Oh. You know, particularly say this winter. December, I know, but we're, we're endeavouring to look at it through the eyes of the captured hair. The ca- like, like, like the Green Party councillor, whom you know, Liam Quaid said, mm-hmm. it involves the physical domination of a small, sensitive animal by a much larger one that is being held in captivity. Hair coursing has no place in any society that considers itself caring. And civilized, fairly powerful words. It is, I suppose, but the use—it's—it's it's also very emotive use of language. And if you look at even the words you said, their domination. To me, domination would be like if—if if they were capturing the hair, they're not. I've—I've I've given you the statistics. Domination makes it sound like every single hair that runs up a field is got, and that's simply not the way it works. And I think I have no issue with. So it's just for those forcing. unlucky enough to be caught. Sorry, well, no. What, sorry, what, what? No, no, no. I, I'm just. What, what do you mean by that? You're saying that you know it's it's the the, the impression would be given that the hairs are all caught. They're not, but for the ones that are caught, they do get chased. Well, they're all chased, but I mean, majority of them are not caught. That's what I'm saying. They're released back into the wild, and I think okay. Let's let's say, for instance, that you know this proposal was accepted. That means that conservation of the hair falls back 100% on the government. And again, it's okay for the Green Party to say let's land coursing, but they don't seem to have any proposals as to how we go against illegal coursing, as to how if coursing clubs are abolished in the morning, who is going to look after the hair? Have they come up with any proposals for these things? Are they aware of but the you, way But if you love the hair that much, you could all come together and look after the hair without chasing the hair. You could do all of the other things that you do so well would just not chase them or persecute them or frighten them after the... I, I don't agree that they're persecuted or frightened. Okay. You know, if you look at the animal, as I said, they have an amazing ability to recover almost immediately from being chased. Otherwise, they wouldn't have evolved and survived in the wild for so long. This is not for this is not unfamiliar territory to hairs. To be chased. Yeah. No, I mean they would they're be chased, chased by other animals. The time, no, but they know? would be for meat, though. That would be the survival of the fittest and for food in the wild. That's different, though. I mean, you guys go How home and it? you talk into you're, your own dinner or whatever. You go home. Yeah, but the word there is chased. Are they chased in the wild? Yes. Okay. Okay. Um, 
Okay, I appreciate that. And, you know, most of the council, the vast majority of them, agree with you because it is very, very popular in rural Ireland, with, without a doubt. Feel free to hold on if you wish, Eileen, but I think perhaps you might want to because I think Kathleen might have one question. Kathleen? Can you hear me, Kathleen? Oh, I can. Okay, Good morning, Neil. Just turn, happy New Year. Just turn your happy radio year. and you too, many happier days. Did you want to? Okay. Did you want to ask one question? Was it? I did. Uh, I did, Neil. How would you like to be chased around a field by a load of dogs? Good morning, Kathleen. Uh, thanks very much for that question. Um, I, I fail to see the relevance of that. We're we're talking. Oh about greyhounds and hares and I, I get that and to be honest this is something I've been vocal on for you know a long time it's also yeah, but sorry no I'm very vocal etc similar I'm very vocal and this is how would you like to be chased around a field by a load of dogs so am I vocal I'm as vocal as you and my passion my passion is as strong as yours so how would you like to be chased around a field by a load of dogs that's my passion in it you might have yours but I certainly have mine as well and Kathleen, as is absolutely your entitlement. Firstly, absolutely. if you're referring to coursing, it's not a load of dogs. It's a highly regulated sport. It is two dogs. So again, even that language around it, it's not a load of dogs. It's two dogs. The hair gets a massive... Sorry, no. It's, a sp- it's going on too long. It needs to be stopped. It needs to be banned. And it needs to happen now. It needs to happen now. And it needs to never go on again because it's, a, it's just it's cruelty to animals. That animal has a little heart beating inside him, full of fear. Of course, full of, of fear. Right, let her at least respond, no, no. Kathleen, you know, fairness. Yeah, if you can let me just respond, yeah. I, I take your point, and as I said, we're lucky. We live in a country where you can have your opinion and they can differ. And Jesus, how boring would it be if we all thought the same thing? But you're saying there, right, okay, on your point, this is your passion that's fine coursing is a passion of mine but also out of interest then what is your opinion on hunting fishing shooting racing do you believe all of those should be banned my hunting on the what we're speaking about now is just it should be stopped but the rest hold, are hold not on, no, this is an interesting point you, you catch a fish on the hook fish is swimming away it minds its own business in the sea or the river and all of a sudden this sharp hook whips it from the water and Fish is captured, killed, and eaten. Well, well, fish is coming since the time of Christ, Neil. Yeah. Yeah, remember the loaves and the fishes, but with the with the hares and scaring them to death. Um, uh, it's back to the time of the There are Greek philosophers who wrote about coursing. Doesn't make it right. So we were talking earlier on it's, about I'm slavery, not it makes it the right. captivation of humans to, from one country and sold into slavery Absolutely, and another. I'm not Very acceptable in the seventeen hundreds, right, but not now. Funny. I find it funny that Kathleen's opinion on the fish is usher is okay in the time of our Lord. But well, that's, it, that's, that, that's, that's what I've been brought up to believe, to be made believe in. It, 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 that's gone on since biblical times. But this, what is happening with the hares okay. is total cruelty in my eyes. Okay. okay. And I stand by it and it should be stopped and it should be stopped now. Thank you. Do do um, thank you for that, Kathleen. Eileen, do do you know if the greyhounds are starved before the the coursing meeting before absolutely the hunt? Absolutely not. Do they run oh faster? God, no. no, 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 absolutely no. <laughs> I can definitively say no to that. Um, it's not a practice I've ever heard of. Okay, okay. And if God, if there is anybody doing that, it's despicable. And uh, no, that that's never a practice. 
okay. as I said, sorry, just actually Neil on that. Another thing to note, like at coursing meetings, he's a vet present on the field at all times. It's a condition of the license, and the coursing license, which is granted, is heavily conditioned. Which you know, no problem with that at all. It's it's the way it should be. But you're the vet. What's the, what's, the, what's the vet there for? The care of the hair or the care of the dogs? Either. Whatever. It, in the event, you know, I think any event involves the animals. It's important that you would have a vet present should anything happen. But also in terms of you have Irish Courses Club stewards who are um, stewards of the meeting. They're not affiliated to any club. So again, they check dogs before they're put into flips. So again, if there's any issue... If so there's nothing going on with the dogs then? There's no starving of the dogs or any no, use of high-performance uh, um, additives or anything like that for the dogs? Nothing like that? No. Okay. No, they're like, these dogs are elite athletes. They're treated really, really well. Thanks for taking the call. Appreciate it. Much obliged to you. Uh, Eileen Lynch, Fine Gael, Councillor on Cork County Council. Text 0868104106, guys. Back after the break. The Neil Prenderville Show on Cork's Red FM. Our phone lines remain open after midday. 0818104106. Okay, happy to come back to this and again. Don't worry about that. Just some texts from this morning, uh, particularly with regards to Guinness now putting their prices up following on Heineken last month. Uh, it's as simple as this, says Sean and Douglas. Paddy will pay whatever the publican charges them for a pint. Paddy might give out about it and threaten to give it up, etc. But Paddy will always go back to the pub. Interesting point of view. Uh, who's the dearest pub in the North Main Street and the South Main Street? Just ask the question. You would be surprised. I don't know. Why don't you put me out of my misery and tell me? Colette says, if customers are horrified at Heineken and Diageo's profits, support local breweries, why don't you? Uh, yes, you have the Franciscan well doing fabulous stuff and our text to here talk. Colette says, in Cork City, the cotton ball is brewed in Mayfield and the flavour of all the beers and their stout is far superior to larger international brewers. People should be supporting local. You are so right there, whether I mention uh, the Franciscan Well. and the, I mean, I was down on the keys there uh, some time back. I was down at Right Price Tiles, picking up tiles and floors and stuff like that, myself and my son. But right next to it, down the keys, is the big warehousing area for the Franciscan Well. It's incredible the amount of barrels they've in there. So they're doing really well. And I know the Cotton, Wall, Cotton Ball Brewery is doing really well because I was in Thompson's recently for food last year. Fabulous spot. Well worth visiting. The food is terrific. But behind the counter, of course, you have pump after pump after pump of their own beers, their own stouts, their own ales, their own IPAs, everything. It's a fantastic site. You know, I, I, I think it's only all of their own products. It was amazing. Uh, I wonder if the same price increase will happen in the Doll Bar. Actually, that is a question. I'm, I'm quite sure, surely if I can remember, what, what is the price of alcohol in the Doll Bar? I mean, is it free of excise? Is it free of VAT? Is it subsidised or is it the same as any other pub? Like I remember being sent, and in fairness to them, I'm 100% behind this, to be honest with you, in case I'm critical in any way, short, shape or form of the army. But the uh, I have the price list, and this is the price list for um, uh, 2022 um, in, the, uh, in the pubs or the bars or the canteens within the Defence Forces. Now, the one I have is for McKee Barracks in Dublin, but I'm assuming it's the same price list that would be up in Collins's Barracks, wouldn't it? It would be the very same, where they say that a pint of Guinness is 3.30, a pint of Bamish is 2.90, Harp is 3.30, um, Cider, like Bulmers, 3.40, uh, Heineken, Carlsberg, Budweiser, 3.30, and Carling and Foster's, 3 euro ten a pint. So, um, much cheaper in the Barracks, of course, uh, 
and because it probably doesn't have VAT or probably doesn't have excess on it. With regards to the doll, I'm not 100% sure, but I can certainly find out. Maybe somebody listening might know the price of drink, pint of a pint, or a short one, or a gin and tonic in the doll bar. Uh, anyway, text 0868104106. Marella, good morning. Good morning, Neil. How um, are you? Where do you come down on hair coursing? Um, well, I'm an animal lover. I have my dog here beside me, and I just, I hate the mentality of it, the chase of the hair. I think it's absolutely disgusting. I think if you want to run your dog, if you're that invested in your dog, go play a ball, do something else, but don't get another little animal involved. Uh, well, That's it's my... been happening in rural, in rural yeah. communities for many, many hundreds and That's hundreds of years. And I'm from a rural background, but what we noticed over the years growing up is that it's actually, it's not what's going on. It's a way to, to trap the animal. It's a way to suss uh, your boundaries on the farm and things like that. Is there betting? Is there, I forgot to ask Eileen, I should, is there betting involved in coursing, coursing meetings? Sure. Is there? No. Lost her. My apologies. She's gone. No, you're there. Sorry, Morella. Do you know yeah. if there, yeah, is there betting involved? I, I presume so. I've, why wouldn't there be? My, my gut would say, I don't know, but I've, I would say yes. Okay. But it's just the mentality of it absolutely disgusts me. If you, there's other ways to entertain yourself, your animals, um, and just our experience is that they come onto other people's boundaries and um, they're just not up to, to any good, really. You, have, you, have you witnessed them? I have, I have. And we've And now this wouldn't be coursing per se. This would be people who are kind of Moria hunting on the hunt. And um, yeah, it's just, it just kills me really, to be honest. Okay. I don't, I don't okay. like it. Just there's other ways of entertaining yourself and your animals. That's okay, all I have. Yeah. There is, thank you for that, Marilla. There is betting on yeah. it because I just saw it flash up, flash up on the screen. Yeah. There are the different bets you yeah, can get at yeah, different would, odds. Yeah. Of course there is. Course of course meetings. there is. Okay. Okay. Rur- yeah. Rural pursuit, though, of which many people have been very much fond of for many hundreds of years, but you believe that you know, you're talking about defenseless hairs and it's time to call it a day. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. All right. Thank you for that. Text 0868104106. Don't forget the first day texts and calls. I need to do that. But just quickly, if I can, I, I just need to get to. Uh, actually, you know what? We need to talk about the Banshees of uh, Inishirin of as well because did so well at the Golden Globes. But anyway, let me stay with this for a second. Pat, good morning. Good morning, Ian. Uh, my, you, my feeling on it really is I walked in a, in a hound track years ago. A hound track? Uh, yeah, in Mitchellstown. A greyhound track. And okay. Yeah. And the dog would just go around the track and they chased this false hair. But my job was to cover the hair. But what does that mean? Eventually, cover the hair. It, well, it was it was for racing greyhounds. But the greyhounds would follow the hair around the false hair, and I'd cover it. But what happened was when I covered the hair, there was this little small, little white fluffy dog, strayed from a backyard a housing estate near the hound track, and the hounds just ripped that small little white dog to pieces. You know, yeah. So in the in the so what I'm saying is like it's it's not like when a hair is killed. It's not like he gets an injection, or it's not like if when they catch that hair, they just rip him to pieces. They catch the back legs, and they catch the front paws, and they they stretch him and they pull him apart. That's that's unfortunately, I have seen some videos of that of the hair being stretched front and hind. Yeah, 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 yeah. 
Yeah, and I witnessed that, that. That's the only input I wanted to make there, Ian, because okay. to me it's just, I, I think it's disgusting, you know? Okay. okay. Uh, do, you, do you believe then that in the wild in coursing that the hare is anticipating that kind of a death, that that's the fear the hare has? Oh, I would because I would because an amazing thing. I, I walked down in Bandon in the, in the meat factory down there years ago, and they used to kill cattle there. And with a cow down there, smelt the blood one day. He actually, and he broke out of the factory. He ran down the street in the town. There, there was people running all over the place to get away from the cow. Oh, my God. And eventually he ran into a field and they had to shoot him. He, he, he was, the, the cow went berserk when he smelt the fear, you know, the blood and the fear, fear and fear, what have fear, you, you know? Fear, fear, Good man. Okay, you know? listen, thanks for that. Appreciate it. Thanks, Pat. Okay, Neil. I'll let you Thank get you. on. Thank, Thank you. you so much. As I mentioned earlier on this morning that um, there was a big event, of course, in Beverly Hills overnight. And the Banshees of Inishirin got eight nominations and scooped three Golden Globe Awards. Uh, of course, the ones that were awarded to them ended up being Best Musical or Comedy, uh, Best Screenplay, and Colin Farrell got the best got the award for the best performance by an actor. Now, by and large, I detest these acceptance speech, whether they're at the BAFTAs, the IFTAs, the Golden Globes, or indeed the Oscars. You know the ones you have to watch and they're all teary-eyed and they're thanking everybody and all sorts of things and save the planet and show love and all that kind of stuff. I thought Colin Farrell's was fantastic, particularly the references uh, to living and filming on Ackle. Stuff about the um, crunchy nut cornflakes and what have you. Have a listen to this. Martin McDonough, I owe you so much, man. 14 years ago, you put me working with Brendan Gleeson, my dance partner, and you changed the trajectory of my life forever in ways that I begrudgingly will be grateful to you for the rest of my days. Um, to work on this film, I, I never expect films to work or to find an audience, and when they do, it's shocking to me, and so I'm so horrified by what's happened around Banshees over the last couple of months, in a thrilling kind of way. Um, Brendan, I just, I love you so much. I love you so much. To get to, to cohabitate this creative space with you every day, all I did when I came to work every day was aspire to be your equal. I'm not saying I even got there, but the aspiration kept me going. And I thank you for that for the rest of my days also. Kerry, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, you can forget that piano, to finally see the world after 20 years of acting, find your work now, you're extraordinary. Barry, when you're sharing a house with an actor you're working with, a word of advice, Barry, don't eat his crunchy nut cornflakes and leave him with no breakfast in the morning. Okay, you should never send a man to work on an empty belly. I want to thank Sheila Flitton, who played our band, She. I want to thank the cast and the crew and the locals of Inishmore and Ackle Island that brought us in. And there was lines blurred between all of us so that we were just one big family for the betterment of all of our souls on that experience. And uh, lastly, Jenny the Donkey, who is, yeah, yeah, Jenny. And she's having a, an early retirement because you're welcome to it. I'm one and done, so she's gone. And my kids at home who are watching this, James and Henry, the loves of my life. I love you so much, and thanks, uh, Hollywood Farm Press. All the best, Eddie. I was too harsh yesterday. Yesterday, he says. I know well you was too harsh yesterday. And today, I just, uh, just have this tremendous sense of time slipping away in me, Parag. And I think I need to spend the time I've left thinking and composing and just trying not to listen to any more of the dull things that you have to say for yourself but I'm sorry about it I am like are you dying? no I'm not dying but then you've loads of time for chatting aye for aimless chatting not for aimless chatting for good normal chatting so We'll keep aimlessly chatting and my life will keep dwindling and in 12 years I'll die with nothing to show for it bar the chats I've had with a limited man, is that it? 
I said not aimless chatting. I said good, normal chatting. The other night, two hours you spent talking to me about the things you found in your little donkey shite that day. Two hours, Parig. I timed it. Well, it wasn't me little donkey shite, was it? It was me pony shite, which shows how much you were listening. None of it helps me, do you understand? None of it helps me. Kira Evans, I want to see it again. Just on the basis of that. I, I just, I'm transfixed even listening to it. I can't understand why you don't get it. Okay, well, he says there about time slipping away. I tell you, time could not slip away fast enough when I watched this over Christmas. What? I it just, I don't know, it was lost on me. I didn't enjoy it. It got to the end of it and I went, oh, that's it. Right, okay. Did you not get any message out of it at all? Uh, well, even was, the beauty of Ackle? Oh, beautiful island. I'd, I'd quite like to go there. And I was heartbroken about the donkey. <laughs> okay, so Jenny the donkey dies. Yeah. Right, and um, and of course we all know uh, that he, you know, cuts off all his fingers. That's not everybody's cup of tea. Some people did walk out. I was with people who couldn't watch it and said, tell me when that part is over. Yeah. So that probably is the dividing point, isn't it? Well, I didn't know about, about the fingers when I was going watching it. I kind of watched it blind just with the recommendation that this is a great movie. You know, it's been highly acclaimed people need to watch this so I thought this is going to be brilliant and I wouldn't watch it again Okay, so Brendan Gleeson does that with his fingers mm. I understand Is that the reason why? Or did you just you don't get the idea of people living in rural Ireland aimlessly going through life without any purpose stuck out in an island and thinking there's got to be more to it that it's going to get them down yeah no I, I got that but I just thought it, it was aimless it <laughs> went on for too long I felt like I was living on that island with nothing going on we, we know this I didn't grasp anything new from it and I just thought it was dull it's interesting because They've got three uh, Golden Globes now, which means that they're in a very good position now for Oscars. Yeah, Colin Farr has been tipped for an Oscar. And of course, champion the Irish. I want to see him win an Oscar, but I just well, I just don't think so for this movie. What about, nobody's talking about Barry Cohan. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I thought he was the star of the show. He was, he was great. superb. Again, I had heard so much about him before the movie and that his parts in it are actually quite limited. Uh, what he says is limited and I suppose for him to make an impact in that time is uh, you know, a testament to his great acting. But I was like, oh, right, yeah, okay, I thought he was supposed to be amazing. No. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. You, okay, you went into it open-minded. Now, you didn't go in. Sometimes I go in to watch films and I, like, I watched the first 10 minutes of In Bruges and turned it off. I'm the fool. I'm going to have to go back and try. I know. I'm going to go back and try again. That's another movie I didn't get through either. I okay, so we, we're, we're similar to that. But did you go in predetermining that you weren't going to like this? Are there, I mean, what do the other people think of it that you watched it with? Oh, I watched it with my boyfriend. And, and he, what did he think of he it? He thought it was the same. We kind of looked at each other in the end and I thought this was supposed to be a great movie. I, like, I feel like maybe I should have known more about it rather than take people's word that it was going to be brilliant because it just was so acclaimed. I was like, this is going to be fantastic. Delighted with myself. myself I have made Paula the time went, We to went to it and it. we actually went out to the car. We were sitting in the car for 10 to 15 minutes and a lot of that we weren't even talking, but... <laughs> It, it, I found it that impactful as a film. I really did. But like, was Paula just traumatized by it? Yeah, but I think I'm fair to say that the finger business, you know, difficult to watch. That, you know, that I know of people who walked out for that when he's chopping his fingers off right through the movie. That it could have been just as good without that, perhaps. Yeah, I think so. It was a little bit dramatic, kind of in there for effect, wasn't it? Maybe probably to keep it interesting. Um, I, I like Pat Short in it actually. <laughs> <laughs> Is there something? All right. And what, what's Laura saying? The opposite. Is she? I know she's not here right now. 
now. But Laura's saying the opposite. So anything like Laura says in movies, I'd normally be like, ah, she's on the money here. She never sets me wrong with a recommendation. You know, she'd been to see it in the cinema. And I thought, oh, it, this is going to be great. And it's it's on Disney Plus now over Christmas. Going to sit down and really enjoy this movie. <laughs> I really did. It didn't happen. <laughs> it's up there, though, with other Irish blockbusters. Uh, My Left Foot, In the Name of the Father, Once, The Winds That Shakes the Barley, The Commitments, Brooklyn, Ryan's Daughter Going Back Far Enough, The Field, The Quiet Man, Michael Collins, Belfast. These are the huge, big, epic Irish movies that this now joins. So this is great for Ireland. Oh, it is wonderful for Ireland. It's, it's just not what I expected from the movie. I don't think it's going to be for everybody. And it's going to be really divisive. And I just feel like these people are going to go watch it now and they're going to be so disappointed. <laughs> One thing's for sure. The people in Ackle Island are delighted. Oh, they're going to have massive visitor numbers. Totally. Me included. Have you not been? <laughs> no, I have not been. Fix that. Yeah, go. I need to sort it out. Go either spring or summertime. Okay, thanks for your honesty. Appreciate it. Off you go. This Kira Evans, not a particular fan of that film. Your thoughts, though. Text 0868104106. This is the Neil Prenderville Show. Text and WhatsApp 086-8104-106. Cork's Red FM. Okay, I think I got Siobhan on one and I believe David's on two. Um, happy New Year to both of you. Anyway, Siobhan, happy New Year to what, what, what's, what, what, I mean, I know you want to go to Paris, don't you? Madly, badly. I, my ultimate dream in life is to go to Paris. Okay, so sell it to me. Where did you and David meet? We met um, on the 20th of January. Uh, we were inside an Omaracruz bar in the square in Dunmanway. In the square bar in Dunmanway, okay. And who, 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 made, who, made the, who, made the first, who made the first move? Um, we, were out with, we were out with mutual friends and we got talking at the bar and David asked me would I like to go to Gatsby so then that was our local nightclub that we wish was still open. <laughs> and we decided, sure, look, we will. I said, of course I will. So we made our way up, but David made a pit stop to the tipper on the way up for everything chicken he could get hold of. Chicken breast, chicken burger, chicken drumsticks, chicken what? nuggets, the whole lot. I got to say, is that true, David? That's true, yeah. How, hung- <laughs> how hungry were you? Oh, you always very hungry. <laughs> David's belly is always number one. <laughs> did, he fi- did he feed you at all on the way to the club? I didn't mind that thing. I thought they would make the trip after Gatsby's, but we never made Gatsby's. <laughs> oh, you never got to the club? We never no. got to Gatsby's, no. Why? <laughs> Because he was too busy munching. <laughs> well, what did you order? Do you remember, David? I think uh, I got, if my memory serves me right, I got a chicken burger and I had chicken nuggets. And I had... Um, you had a chicken breast too? A leg of chicken or something. A leg of chicken. Chicken breast. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Were there chips on top of that? No, there was no chips. <laughs> he liked so I the meat. He likes, he likes his grub. He loves his meat. <laughs> what was the second date? We, um, David asked me to go to a rally dinner dance in the Onahinsha Hotel for the following Saturday night. Right. So <clears throat> that was lovely. So I said, of course, I'd love to go. And the, you know, the butterflies in the stomach and the heart was pumping and all yeah, excitement. Yeah, the so. dress picked out. <laughs> Oh, of course, of course. <laughs> so David rang me on the Thursday and asked me then, did you get your ticket for for Saturday night? <laughs> oh, for God's sake, man. I said, I did not. I said, because you're supposed to get the tickets because you invited me. <laughs> <laughs> did you, David, is that true? That's true, yeah. Why didn't you buy her her ticket for the dinner dance? You asked her to it. 
I did. I, I bought the ticket. <laughs> only when she told you to. I, <laughs> I, sure, I, was, I was only messing with her. I know, and you'd say not. I'd say you were just new to yeah. the game, I'd say. <laughs> yeah. All right, so I how did the dinner dance go? How did the dinner dance go? Absolutely brilliant night. How many chicken suppers really, really did you eat? <laughs> we danced the whole night and so we had great fun. And sure, it went on from there and we're still here today, almost 22 years later. Three beautiful children and a small little cavish on. <laughs> yes, yeah. that's the love of David's life. Oh my God. <laughs> how things start, huh? Isn't it amazing how yeah. things start? Okay, okay. All right, guys. And many more years to come. All right, stay, stay oh, absolutely. Just keep them well fed. Okay, stay listening, guys. We'll see how you get on. Just one fast, have I time? Pauline. Hello. A tattoo shop, was it? Oh God, yeah. What's the backstory to it? Um, I was going to a tattoo shop to get a Disney tattoo to cover up um, my ex's name. I've been with him for 18 years. And, um, God. I went to a tattoo shop and the guy who was the artist, his friend was there and he'd, he'd seen photos of me. So he decided to stick around. So when I showed up, he was there and he could make conversation. So I had the... Name, I was getting the name tattooed over, and he says to me, Sure, should my name be the one going there? And I started laughing. I oh, that's kind of a cheesy chat up line, isn't it? I know, but he also had been told that I liked anything Coca Cola, so he ran out and got me a bag of pinballs and would feed me the Coca Cola pinballs while I was getting tattooed to distract me. Forgive me now, what is a Coca Cola pinball? It, they're a packet of sweets that have all different flavours, but they're the only ones he could find that had something that had Coca-Cola in them because he knew Coca-Cola flavour stuff was my favourite. Okay, did that win you over then? Did you tattoo his name over your ex's name? No, 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 I had my Disney tattoo. But the funny thing was, afterwards, I said to him, he said, can I give you a lift home? I said, yeah. So on the way home, we stopped at a pub and I said, I'd buy you a drink for a lift. And I went up to the bar and I got myself a Southern Comfort and Coke. And I said, what are you having? And he said, I love a Coors Light. And I was getting laughing. I was telling him that back in Cork, that's what women drank. That what he was drinking was a girl's drink. <laughs> that's, not even, that's not even true. He was, I know, but that's what I would think. Because like when I sit at home in the Josh, we'd get a pint of Coors Light and pour it into a half glass of ice. So there was me drinking shorts and he was sitting there with his Coors Light and I couldn't stop laughing. Oh my but God. Jesus, I, anyway. So, what did are you engage now? Yeah, and we were only together six months, and he moved back to Cork with me and all. He's living and working here, and he proposed to me last year. That is love, <laughs> isn't it? That's love. Yeah. Uh, and a little birdie tells me you're actually covered in Disney tattoos. Is that right? I am. I've got plenty of tattoos. I've uh, the Little Mermaid on my shoulder. I've a Disney castle on my leg. I've Tinkerbell on my arm. I've um, in the process of getting um, Maleficent on my neck. And it's so funny because I know my sister is listening now and she went to Disneyland in Paris a couple of weeks ago and she bought me back a Little Mermaid mug and a key ring saying it's the closest thing I'll ever get to us. So Have you never that, been like, to Disney World or Disneyland or in these places? No, and I've never been to Paris either. So, so if you got to Paris for the weekend, you could go, to, go to Disney Disneyland. World. Yeah, Disneyland. That, in a heartbeat. <laughs> All right, okay. And it's very, very important that you are careful about putting the name of a boyfriend on you in a tattoo, isn't it? Relationship oh. ends, he's gone or she's gone for that matter, but the tattoo is always there. 
Yeah, but to say that, had I not have gotten a co- his name there, I would have never got a card and I would never have met the love of my life. So everything <laughs> happens for a reason. Well said, I love you it. Know? Okay, so for you and Robert, can I just tell you, you're one step closer now to getting to oh, Paris. Because yeah. I'm going to put you into Friday's final, all right? And we'll see how you get on That's on Friday. Ah, uh, brilliant. So thanks for sharing so the story. Right. Thanks very much. Mind yourself. Happy yeah. New Year, mate. You too. Take care, Pauline. And indeed, Robert and Anne, uh, sorry, and David and, and Siobhan. If, if I can, this, you know, this would be hard to beat. If I can get this caller on air, I'll leave you with this text. I met my now partner of seven years on Women's Little Christmas in a local bar. He was on a date at the time. I waited until she, his date, went to the bathroom and made a swift, swift move to him at the bar to let him know I was there. Uh, She came back and I made a quick exit. We met again in the chipper that night and when she went to the bathroom, he he came over to me to get my phone number (laughs) seven years later and a toddler since. Now, if I could get that caller on the air, it's a text there, but I'd love to hear more of that story tomorrow morning. Lines will stay open. You can text 0868104106 and share your own stories and anything else that's on your mind from this morning's programme. We'll pick it up in the morning. Have a good day. I'll see you tomorrow. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.